Welcome to episode 156, a very fresh episode of the Roundtown Podcast. I disagree, but no, we'll, no, we'll, we'll, it, we'll get it, into it later. It's, I don't know the what, game says to stay fresh. But they don't. But they don't. But they say they do. So we're having a fresh conversation about the freshness. That I do Thus, agree on. it is a fresh episode of the Roundtown Podcast. I'm Jason. And I'm Angel. And yeah, so if you can't figure out what we're talking about, we're talking about Splatoon 2 here. Um, that's going to be later in the show. We're going to be diving pretty deep into our thoughts on the game's content, the structure, really everything in between. So um, stay tuned for that. Also later in the show, Angel, you've got impressions of uh, the Switch's co-op puzzler, Death Squared, which I guess you'll be sharing, presumably. Huh, what do you know? I do. Yeah, huh, play that. But but first, we've got news and numbers. Or really, actually, we've got numbers and news. Actually, no, we, we have numbers that dictate news, I guess is probably the best way to put it, um, because we're going to be analyzing Nintendo's latest quarterly financials, discussing how they plan Ooh, to keep... Ooh, thrilling. Yeah. We're going to be discussing how they plan to keep that momentum from the last quarter going into the current quarter and beyond, and we're going to be doing that with some news about Nintendo's own releases, some growing third-party Switch support, a lot more. So if there's anything specific specific you want to hear about this episode, be, uh, within this episode, be it thoughts on Resident Evil coming to Switch or Metroid having the plastic paywall that is Amiibo... Uh, we have timestamps at roundtown.com for all of that under episode 156. Otherwise, let's just get the ball rolling with some numbers, I guess. Oh, Kothamus. Sure, that was unintentional, but yeah, let's get the morph ball rolling with some numbers. Um, well, you're going to have to push that ball off the hill because you're, you're the numbers guy. And it'll snowball from there. The conversation won't it. Wow. All right. Yeah, okay. So, uh, uh, Not a wallet, you just a wallet us for... We Even, carried it yeah. far. We carried it really far. We carried it too far. Yeah. Now we're dropping the ball, though, because we haven't <laughs> brought it up anymore. Anyway, uh, yeah, I've said, so the financials. So I've said this in the past, but I don't know. Maybe it's just me, but I feel like whenever there's good news about Nintendo, it's kind of like your favorite team pulling off a victory in a way. It's, it sounds a little fanboyish, but at least for me, that's kind of the case. Like, it's cool to see good things happen to your like favorite company. And the numbers out of Nintendo's Q1 financials, which span uh, April 1st of this year through June 30th of this year, kind of give me that feeling like i don't know if i'd go as far as to say it's like winning the championship sort of feeling but it's definitely a vibe like of you like, went home with a smile on your face it's like bed. it's like the vibe of like we made it through a semifinals match woo <laughs> like that's kind of how i came out of these financials Makes sense. I mean, and we're that, only five months in four months yeah in. we're only five months on the switch and that's because like the reason i have this feeling is because like frankly not just with switch but in general nintendo had a great quarter like they had a really good quarter on revenue alone Nintendo was up 150% compared to the same quarter a year ago in 2016. They brought in over $1.37 billion in just the past three months. Uh, if you want the Japanese actual native currency of theirs, that's 154 billion yen. And uh, analysts thought they'd maybe bring in $1.2 billion, and they brought in $1.37 billion. So they are not only turning around compared to a year ago, but even exceeding what people were expecting them to do. Then you've got the turnaround of their operating profit year over year, which uh, a year ago... They were down 5.13 billion yen, which is roughly $48 million. And then in this first fiscal quarter of theirs, they are now up by 15.21 billion yen or $147 million. That actually exceeds what analysts thought they would do by about $60 million. So they are up across the board. More revenue, more profit, more everything. And the crazy thing is it could have been even higher if Nintendo was actually able to meet the demand of the Switch. 
Like, as is, they moved 1.97 million yeah, there were switches. shortages of something, right? Yeah, they're, they're having some issues. There's component shortages. They can't keep up with demand. Um, I mean, they managed to sell 1.97 million of them, which in three months, that's pretty good. That's not what they did in the launch period. And this is, like, sincere, right? It's not like... No, this is... Like, oh, we're out of... I mean, this is a Nintendo, but I thought it was funny how, like, oh, any... And yes, classic has sold out, and then GameStop thought like, "Oh, oh I'm so we, we have like fifty or thirty or something that we're gonna give away." Hundreds. Oh, the yeah. exact words, hundreds. I don't understand. We have this. hundreds. So I was like, "Oh, okay." No, not like that. Okay, yeah. I was gonna talk about this way later, but no, let's let's harp on that for a second. This this I don't understand this. So, the NES Classic was supposedly having its final run in what April, right? Somewhere around yeah. there, and at the time, um. It seemed like it was impossible to get. Then we find out, now we're in August, that out of nowhere, suddenly Games, GameStop, as you point out, is giving away hundreds to their power-up rewards. ThinkGeek is giving away thousands, or ThinkGeek is selling thousands of inventory of it in special overpriced bundles. And Amazon is literally driving a truck around six major cities and just like, who wants an NES Classic? Here's an NES Classic out of our truck. Like, I get... Sounds horrible. In their, well, in their own individual things these are kind of cool initiatives like in their own right they're kind of yeah, but fun they should have done that when neat. they were like still being actively here's, sold well here's the thing i like, mean yeah i mean well they are selling them from the amazon truck and from no uh, no yeah, yeah i mean i get it like obviously bring up business for them but no here's the thing i don't get though why is nintendo okay with essentially the retailers becoming the scalpers that's literally what think geeks do doing they like had a, would you rather have NES real classics. scalpers or these scalpers I get. I don't know. I mean, I guess this one. Think I mean, geek, like you can track your order, but <laughs> yeah. Know. And it, in some instances, you are paying as much as scalper pricing, except you're, but you get other stuff. Yeah, you're getting. Other, I mean, you are getting what you pay for, but you don't necessarily want to pay for that. Yeah, I mean, it's not necessarily bad that this is happening. It's just strange to me. Like they're literally the retailers are literally yeah, hoarding. It's more like something that just rubs you the wrong way. Yeah, they're like hoarding but... the stuff, and then they're tricking it out, trickling it out in these weird self promotional ways. And Nintendo's just like. Sure. Like, Nintendo gave them the inventory. Nintendo gets a cut of the profit off this inventory. Why are they I just know. like, sure, if you want to use it for a weird treasure truck, which, by the way, Amazon, that's a super cool idea for other stuff. Like, the treasure truck's really neat. But um, if you're going to, like, I, I'm surprised Nintendo's so now, okay with this. It just feels weird to yeah, me. Now it almost feels like it's given that this is going to happen with the SNES Classic. Yeah, well, the SNES Classic, for those who don't know, just kind of a public service announcement, actually. But Nintendo put on their Facebook page, and only their Facebook page, no press release, no Twitter, nothing. Uh, pre-orders are opening late this month so if anyone needs one out there and you want to enter the hunger games that is getting the snes classic later this month all the retailers will have it uh they haven't said when nintendo's only processing there's gonna be significantly more more uh, inventory but still it will be happening so keep an eye out if that interests you but 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 back to the switch because that's NES classic is these couple thousand that are trickling out aren't whether aren't the big story that's making a money right now it's the switch and as I started to say, like, to your point about shortages, 1.97 million is still a pretty good number. It is very good. They're selling everything they put out there. It's a little less than 2.47 they sold in the first quarter the Switch was available, that one month. But then again, that was launched, and this isn't launched. Um, but yeah, they, the, the issue is they just can't produce enough. Nintendo could sell significantly more than 1.97 if they could produce more. Like, there's still situations in Japan where, you know, there's lines to get a lottery ticket for a chance to get a Switch. Yeah, and then at that crazy. point, you could buy the Switch maybe... Like, those are blocks long, like, over a 1,000 people when Splatoon came out. Um, then I was reading the Wall Street Journal, and there's other story about, like, people just paying ridiculously overpriced prices from, uh, 
actual scalper as opposed to think geek and uh it's like <laughs> like it's like someone was saying someone was saying to um wall street journal that this was in japan that they were basically paying the equivalent of 200 over msrp because they really wanted to switch and they don't want to talk about how much they had to pay over like they're embarrassed that they did but nonetheless they're doing it i mean here in the u.s it, i don't think it's quite that bad you still have to like kind of mad dash to a store as soon as they get inventory and it does require a bit of luck but it's doable in japan it's not even doable and and the thing is, since Switch was sold from as uh you know, it was sold at a profit since day one. Unlike Wii U, that means that Nintendo's essentially bringing in money hand over fist right now on just these hardware sales, or at least as much as hand over fist as they can with the limited inventory. So it's it's going well for Nintendo, and that's not even talking about the games. That's not even taking Nintendo Switch games into account. I mean, obviously those are also huge revenue generators, and one of the big takeaways to me, at least from this financial report is that Switch owners are legitimately buying games for this thing in in large quantities. I mean, Breath of the Wild's lifetime sales on Switch alone, ignoring the Wii U version, currently sit at 3.92 million. Over a million of those, 1.16 million to be precise, uh, came from just the past three months. That means 83% of Switch owners also own Zelda, which is an insanely oh, high so attack it's, rate. So it's gone down significantly it's since, gone uh, down. since 100 plus percent. Yeah, well, the 100-plus percent was, like, the weirdest... Ma- I mean, it's true, because people bought the special edition and the regular edition, so there were two. But yeah, it's obviously gone down as more Switches have gone out there. But still, to be, you know, half a year into Switch, almost, and still 83% of people are buying Zelda, that's a pretty big feat. Yeah, it's interesting, because, um, I mean, very small pool of friends, but, like those, like, those friends that didn't have Nintendo consoles before, or at least, like, in the last few generations that now have a Switch, are buying games that normally for their other console they would never pay full price for a game mm-hmm. or or just wait for them to just go on like black friday like maybe a few exceptions but like breath of the wild splatoon mario kart like, Dude, the numbers they would never do that like before, it's, it's part which, i think part of it's the appeal of just like you yeah. have this device that can go literally anywhere yeah, tv out in the world and you get these full console experiences oh, yeah, and they're and pinnacle they're like peak nintendo they're not even like you know it's not like you're playing Skyward Sword. Yeah, and, You're and playing and the paying best Zelda them, yeah. in, since Ocarina of Time. Yeah, and it's paying off nicely paying for them. Off. I mean, it saved us during our lines yeah, of Comic Con. Yeah, during the line and, at, and whatnot. Yeah, yeah. and and you you brought Mario Kart. Mario Kart's actually a really interesting one to me because um, so Zelda makes sense to sell eighty three percent of you know get eighty three percent switch owners on it. Like I'd expect it higher, honestly. Mario Kart eight. I wouldn't expect to be as high because, you know, probably half to two-thirds of Switch owners had had Wii U's. Like, all the early adopters of the Switch, or not all, but a good number, I would say, are hardcore Nintendo fans that had the Wii U, probably had Mario Kart on Wii U. And yet, Mario Kart 8, 75% of all Switch owners own Mario Kart 8. That's also insanely high. Three out of every four Switches you see in the world have a copy of Mario Kart 8 either on them or on a cartridge with them. Like, that's crazy. The exact number, if you're wondering, is 3.54 million. It's creeping up on Zelda really fast. So, like, that to me is almost in a way more mind-blowing than Zelda, because Zelda's a fresh new thing, but Mario Kart's a port. Nintendo's probably making a ton of money off that, because imagine how easy it is to port and throw a battle mode on top and call it a day, and then it's selling, what, a couple hundred thousand shy of Zelda already? How is um the non-deluxe version, yeah, the non-deluxe version doing? Of Mario Kart 8? Yeah. Like, the old Wii U version? Yeah. Uh, I think it topped out at about eight million sold, okay. which is like two thirds of um, oh, wow. two thirds of Wii U owners. You know what? I'm gonna check. That. Wait, when did it come out? Like 20... it came out in um, May of 2015. Was it after Smash or before Smash? 
I want to say it was before. It, oh, the May of 2014. I want to say. I think I it was May know. of 2014. Well, I'm almost at. Oh, I'm on the Japanese investor site. This is going to go great because I don't know why I'm clicking. Right. Hey, I found it. Nope, that's not right. I, mean, I thought you were like a, a human calendar for Rudy Sates. I usually am, but you're asking me while I'm also trying to navigate financial numbers all while trying to act like I'm not doing any of it because <laughs> I'm trying to stay suave here in the podcast. And clearly, I'm not doing well. <laughs> um, okay, so Mario Kart, if you're wondering. Mario Kart 8 has sold... Oh, I, I get credit. I said 8 million, right? 8.35. Best selling Wii U game. You might have said 8.35. I don't even know. I, I think I just said 8. I said yeah. like low 8 million or around 8 million. Someone's got to go back and be like, he did. He really did. <laughs> I mean, you didn't, but... No, I did. I totally did. No, uh, no, 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 no. I mean, the point, but you definitely oh, said yeah. eight. You definitely said yeah. eight. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, so it's, you know, and Wii U is currently at about 13 million sold. Um, that's just, I I can give you the exact number if I can find it if you want. Oh, that's but, cool. but it's about 13 million sold. So that's a huge chunk of Wii U. Owners. But already, I think Mario Kart 8 Deluxe is a higher percentage of Switch owners. And it's probably going to stay that way. Like, you know, once it's evergreen, it's evergreen. As more people buy Switches, they're more likely to buy Mario Kart. So that, that's crazy. But I think as high as Zelda and Mario Kart are, the one I'm most impressed with is actually ARMS. Now, to be fair, this is two weeks' worth of numbers for ARMS. And because it's the first two weeks of ARMS, it's probably front-loaded. It's hard to say what the longevity of the game may be. Like, even with Nintendo pushing the competitive scene hard with tournaments and being in EVO Japan um, later, in the, you know, in uh, 2018. Yeah, we talked about looking that. forward to that. Really want to see what, I guess, really competitive arms at that point yeah. would look like. Yeah, because by then the pros would really rise to the top, presumably. I mean, I hope there's a few more characters by then. When is it exactly? It's later this <sighs> Is it late this year? I thought it was, like, January of next yeah, that's year. Like, yeah, it's, like, December, January, something like that. But yeah, oh, no, but, yeah, it's definitely January. It's, yeah, it's, it's January. Yeah, we'll be back from Japan before it starts. You'll be back. I already went because, yeah. I was supposed to go with you. Then you misled me. I know, we could do that out. cool Mario Kart VR. Yeah, yeah, you better share impressions here because I'm really curious. But, um, yeah, but the point I was getting at is we don't know what arms will become. We don't know how the tournament play will shake out as a marketing move. We kind of talked about that last episode. But nonetheless, what we do know is in two weeks... Arms was able to sell 1.18 million copies worldwide. Damn, that's, that's how many people they tricked. That's how many people they tricked. That's only 40,000 fewer copies than what One Two Switch has sold since it came out on March 3rd. Wow, that's impressive. Like for a new IP, having 25 percent, having a quarter of all Switches out there have Arms. Well, all Switch owners have Arms. I don't think. Do you remember what the attacher was for Splatoon around the time it came out? Originally? No, I don't. But what I can tell you <laughs> is it ended up at about 5 million sold. Hmm. So lower than Mario Kart. Lower than Smash. Lower well, than Mario 3D World. New IP but this whatnot. Splatoon, that we'll, we'll get to this in a minute, but this Splatoon is doing significantly faster sales. It's established now. But ARMS, to me, is kind of a big deal. Like that, having 25% of Switch owners, a quarter of all Switch owners own ARMS, two weeks after it comes out like that's substantial enough that we're probably gonna be seeing spring man or ribbon girl in a future smash bros or something like this thing's whether you know it it peters out or not it's established right, itself as a new nintendo franchise what i don't know i would really want to see what kind of moves that they could come up with that's not just them having super long punches for everything yeah if anything they seem more suited for um assist characters like assist trophies yeah they'll be there in some form yeah this confirms they'll be there oh, i would love form. a stage It'd be cool if they brought over one of the... St- yeah, a stage and a Especially trophies. Splatoon. Splatoon, they, they've long deserved a character more than the freaking 
me costumes that they got. Yeah. Well, I, I guarantee you when the next Smash happens, there's oh, going to yeah. be Inklings. There has to be Inklings. It's it's already an A-tier franchise for Nintendo. It's up there with Pokemon and Zelda and Mario. Like, if you look at merchandising, like, World Nintendo toys from Jax and all that. They just have to have a mechanic for splatting the stage and, like, moving around in the ink. Like I'm sure they'll do, like, you shoot a trail in front of you and swim no, through yeah, it. They'll yeah. be creative with it. Yeah. I'm sure, like, every B move will be, like, a different weapon or something. Like, side B will probably, probably. be the charger and whatnot. And then, like, the splat roller and dualies yeah. and all that. Or, like, the splashdown bomb for, like, down B. Maybe. Yeah. We're not splashdown, but, yeah, splashdown. Or just a grenade or something. Yeah. They'll get creative. Yeah. I'm excited for any Smashers. You know the Danish and Nintendo? Could, could easily be, like, when the squid, like, rocket out to Super Right, yeah, the Super yeah. Jump. Yeah. yeah. You know the Danish Nintendo branch did, a, like, a joke survey, like, a oh, poll, yeah, and yeah. they're like, what game comes out this week? Splatoon 2? arms or something like that or super smash bros for switch and everyone's like you know like it's like that record scratch like <laughs> super smash bros for switch that's not announced so it's probably it's coming sooner rather than later i would guess i i'm still pretty sure it's a 2018 title at this point but yeah i mean where, when would it even come out mm, august surprise holiday title i mean mario's clearing the way like is, is, is xenoblade really gonna be the only holiday title for nintendo there's some there might be something i always because I, mario's end of october but they usually have a big november release xenoblade existed out. Right, exactly. That's why it can't be the big holiday title. You need something that has more oomph, and Mars a little too early for the oomph. So, yeah. who knows? But, but I do want to say about ARMS. Um, like, you know, 1.18 million is great. That's crazy, in my opinion. But I can't help but wonder, like, what the future entails for this thing. Like, I don't think we need to rehash our whole conversation last episode about, uh, you know, if ARMS will have contained mindshare among, like, general switch owners and competitive play like is it gonna be the next melee and sort of like never grow and it's just the same people or it's gonna be something different we only go through that but i do want to point out one thing that i looked into when i was playing this together and that is if you go to the eShop's best sellers list on the switch as of the day of this recording which is friday august 4th arms is already down in the final slot of the list in spot number 15 ahead of it you've got stuff of course like splatoon at number one you got zelda you got mario kart but you also have Shovel Knight at number 9. You also have Snipper Clips at number 5. These are two tiles that came out back in March. Granted, they're digital only, but a game like ARMS you think would do better digitally than physically. And yet, it's being outsold by these small titles from 5 months ago. So it's not scientific evidence that maybe ARMS is past its prime just a month in. But if you couple that with Splatoon 2 now kind of stealing its thunder and all the attention, you have to wonder if that two-week... 1.18 million burst of sales was simply a big, you know, impressive flash in the pan, or if it's a sign of something greater, or what, and at this point, it's looking like it might be the flash in the pan, which still, a million flash in the pan is more than many companies get with any game they ever put out, but it does kind of raise that flag as potentially is this the end of ours before it really began, outside yeah. of a small competitive scene. I feel like a lot of it, uh, a lot of it has to do with, um, after ARMS came out, not long after, we got the announcement about Max Brass coming out, the big patch update, and then we got a new stage, and then I was like, alright, these characters were already in the game, but, I mean, now we have them as playable yeah. characters, and then nothing. And then Splatoon came out, and now it just feels like all the attention's on Splatoon, Splatoon, yeah. we, I mean, we already got two new weapons, we already got a new stage. I love how like, they're doing it with Splatoon, where like, they're doing, like, a single way more like, bam, 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 but arms like i mean the only thing they announced recently was we have a balance patch coming up soon but they still haven't said what's going to be balanced and... yeah as of this recording at least yeah it comes out this coming week so this goes up on the 6th of august it's out like sometime that following week yeah but i mean anecdotally when's the last time you played arms probably the day max breath came out so july 12th yeah huh 
Yeah, I don't know when I last played. I mean, granted, I'm in a weird situation because I barely even played Splatoon until very recently because Comic-Con, the trip to Vegas, dealing with the that podcast, all me. that. I know, but my priorities, as you know, are a little different. Also, you're on vacation right now. You were, I was with you in both of those trips. You're on va- No, 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 but I meant like I had that plus all the normal work in between. Like normally the weekends would be when Wait, I do it. You could have played during those trips. I didn't take my – oh, I did take my – Yeah, you did. I, I didn't have Splatoon until I got back from Comic-Con, though. Yeah, but what about Vegas? No comment. <laughs> we played a ton in you're right, Vegas. You're right. I didn't play at all in Vegas. Oh, yeah. Regardless, my point <laughs> is, you have vacation weekdays free. I don't. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Either way, <laughs> I, I guess I guess I haven't played Arms in a while. Sorry, didn't point. do. Um, I haven't played Arms in a while. No, it's fine. I mean, I, I've been very. That's why we didn't talk about Splatoon last episode because I didn't have a chance to even turn it on until yeah. After I mean, we posted it. Like, like I've said before, like the game was fun, but it definitely felt undercooked sorry you, I, 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 I know I, I was about to say I know you're just playing overcooked before you record but gonna... no one else knows that <laughs> that pun goes nowhere <laughs> I mean you're better off being like there's no meat on the bone of arms or like, yeah, like if anything, it, needs to, um, it needs to flex its muscle more but right now it's too weak like there's not enough muscle it's, it's low proof more than anything that yeah. I should have waited until Black Friday or For just later on especially yeah, like, there's just way more things to do in Splatoon that I have really no reason to go back to ARMS, especially with the other indie games that I picked up recently. I like Overcooked. I should have flipped it. Like, yeah, I just feel like... Should they have done ARMS in, like, August? I almost kind of don't really feel like I need to buy any of the game because of Splatoon until, like, Mario Odyssey comes out. Interesting. Which means that, like, I have no reason to even play ARMS until then. Right, interesting. So... Now, yeah. now Splatoon, that game is making it killing. I think there's going to be a lot of people in the same boat as you who are going to be like, oh, Splatoon's going to carry me for a while. It almost, makes me, it almost makes me think that maybe ARMS should have been like way later in the year. I don't know. But then you get buried by other games. It's definitely like a launch window title in terms of you need to get it out there when there's not a whole lot. But um, yeah, like Splatoon in Japan already, they have already sold 671,000 copies in three days. To give you some perspective, that's the biggest debut of any Switch title yet, I guess outside of launch day. And uh, it doesn't include digital downloads. That is strictly physical and, like, the cards to go to get a download, but not any actual eShop-initiated downloads. And for comparison, in its first four days, so one more day, the original Splatoon on Wii U sold 156,000 copies. And now here we are, one day less, 671,000 copies. So, yeah, pretty noticeable jump. You could even call it a super jump, maybe. Uh, but it... It's it's nuts, and in the UK as well. Like Splatoon Two is outselling Splatoon One by a margin of fifty nine percent in its first, you know, however many days. So it's doing well, and I think there's probably gonna be a lot of people kind of like you who are buying Splatoon. Like this is gonna carry me for a while. I don't need anything else. Which is sort well, of yeah, I mean, until to Mario, and even then, like Mario, the single player game, like I'll beat that, and then I'll probably go back to Splatoon until Smash yeah. Bros comes out, and then I'll continue to ignore every other game ever after that. <laughs> you say that now, but we'll see. That's kind of what happened with the Wii U. That's true, but that was more Smash than Splatoon. Were you that big on? I don't remember you playing Splatoon that much. On no, 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 no. That's what I'm saying. I'm gonna pl- wait. Maybe I said it wrong, but I'm gonna play Splatoon until Smash comes out. Then I'm gonna continue to ignore oh, every other yeah, game I but Smash. I get what you mean. But well, the thing you know, what's kind of interesting is it's. I think Nintendo's banking on more than Splatoon for this quarter. So, like, the, the quarter we just talked about, Q1, you know, it's all cart, Zelda, arms. That's a lot of sales right there. But beyond Splatoon, this quarter... I'm not I, even bothering with Pokken. I'm just going to completely... You're completely skipping it? Yeah. Like, Interesting. Well, I, we are, you already have it, yeah, sort of. I, exactly. Like, I have no... I mean, the 3v3 part is pretty interesting. But I feel like there's still so much I want to do with Splatoon as far as just, like, 
carry it further than I did with the Wii U version, especially because I have more friends that have it. Mm-hmm. I really want to do the like, league battles. Everyone we know as such as has it. Exactly. Like, I want to do the league battles, like, just playing the league, but you are nowhere near getting rank B- minus yet. I'll get there. You can. I will. I mean, you have to. Otherwise, like, we're going to be down a person. I mean, you're talking to... I will. <laughs> I keep my... For the sake of the podcast, well background info here i actually split my time with why i've done a splatoon between single player and multiplayer because i wanted to get a more well round and, and a little salmon run but i wanted to get a kind of a well-rounded sense of it because you play significantly more like when we get to the impressions i think you're the one taking the mantle like leading that conversation but it doesn't take that yeah. long it takes like to maybe what? two hours to get to be minus what are you talking about you kept telling me how long it take, took you i, I mean I guess did, you have to win and be good i did have a nice um well I guess I'll talk about that later. But I did well, notice yeah. um, if you do well, I went from C minus all the way to C plus. I completely skipped C. Oh, just because well, okay. I lost, just because I didn't like lose a bunch of games in between. Then we'll see. But then I saw Elvis, who lost a few games in between, and he went from C plus to C. So hmm. he still has a way to go. Yeah. But yeah. beyond anyway. beyond just Splatoon, so like Splatoon is going to be. I mean, we're going to talk way in depth about Splatoon later. But Splatoon, that's a big driver. So of this current quarter that we're in for Nintendo, like. Last quarter was Arms, Zelda, Mario Kart, like I started to say. This quarter is like Splatoon. And I think what Nintendo's hoping is also like a parting of the seas for third-party games, so to speak. Like, you can kind of already see it in the release calendar. Splatoon 2 just came out, right? But that means that we are now officially in the longest period of time between two first-party releases since the Switch launched. Granted, the Switch launched only five months ago. Granted, this longest period of time is eight weeks versus five to six but nonetheless, there's a bit more of a gap, and for a company that's very Mavis steadily... doesn't feel like a third-party release. I mean, that's the interesting thing. I think part of it is they want to, obviously, um, have Rabbids do well. It's obviously intentional for that. But along with Rabbids, they are piling in, or having third parties pile in so many games between now and Pokémon Tournament in, on September 22nd. I mean, we have, as you mentioned, Mario and Rabbids. That comes out late August. Minecraft Story to Complete Saga Telltale's spinoff was just announced as coming to Switch on August 22nd. Lego Worlds, which is basically, you know, uh, Minecraft by Lego, is now coming out September 8th, and it comes with two free DLC packs to motivate you to buy the Switch version over the other versions. Because the um, other versions already came out. But the DLC packs are free with the Switch, even though they're launching on all of them simultaneously. Mm. A little twist. Interesting. Or something like that. And then on top of those, we also have the games we talked about last episode in September. You got Rayman Legends Definitive Edition, Dragon Ball uh, Xenoverse 2, NBA 2K. So all these games, like six, seven third-party games, they're all coming out before or around Pokken. And together, as far as I can recall, this is the single biggest crop of third-party games since since the Switch launch. Like, this is very, this is a very clear... It's no way all these just happen by chance to fall out within, you know, five weeks of each other. This seems like a very clear move on Nintendo's part to go, well, Ubisoft's making a game. It's kind of a Nintendo game, but it kind of isn't. Let's just tell third parties this is your time to shine before we throw Mario at people. And, I mean, it's not it's not a bad strategy. I think I think it's a good thing Nintendo's doing something something about it because the fact is, uh, according to their financials, 13.6 million copies of Switch games in total have been sold since launch. If you do the math, of all the first pair of games we talked about and all those multi-million sellers, that means 72% of every all the Switch games out there are Nintendo's own first-party games, which means only a quarter of all the games out there are third-party combined. That seems low to me compared to other platforms. Like, you kind of want third parties to also have an, a pretty big role in your system. You probably don't want them to be the bottom even, fourth of your sales. Even considering it's only five months in? 
Yeah, I mean, like, if you look at how Xbox or PlayStation launched, I would guess there it's like 50-50 sales, first party, third party. Oh, yeah, definitely. That's what I mean. Oh, I thought you meant for Nintendo. No, 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 no. 13.6 million is a great number. I mean, the fact that 72% of that 13.6 million is Nintendo alone, and then the other roughly a quarter is all the third parties combined kind of scrambling to figure out, wait, who's going to win? Who's going to get ahead? So if you want a healthy, like, Switch game ecosystem you probably want to give other publishers a chance at success and a chance to shine. I think that's kind of what this gap is. Now, of course, if they bump into the Splatoon issue, you're describing where there might be a ton of people who are like, I'm just going to play Splatoon for two months, no worries. This might not work as well, but I don't know. I'm I'm, I'm kind of hoping for Nintendo's sake it does because this is the do-or-die time. Like, I'm a guy who's aware of this issue, right? And yet I'm also totally responsible for this issue, and I don't know if them giving me two extra weeks to check out third-party games is going to change that whatsoever. Like... Generally speaking, beyond just Switch, my ratio of Nintendo published games to third-party published games skews very highly towards Nintendo. Like right now, I can tell you for sure I'm buying Mario and Rabbids. I mean, there's news this past week that not only is the, there's the whole single-player campaign, but there's also the co-op campaign, which it turns out is totally separate with its own set of levels, so now there's even more content than I thought. And it's rumored the game might only be costing 50 instead of 60 when it comes out. They might try and do it at like a lower price to get more people, so... All that just makes it more so for me than game to game. But so yeah, I'm getting more in Rabbids, but I'm I don't see myself double dipping on Rayman Legends at forty even at forty dollars, which is, you know, it's MSRP this time around for Definitive Edition. Or if you like look further down the pipe, I know for sure I'm gonna be getting Sonic Forces when it hits, yet games of equal caliber in the mind share of Switch owners, like say or not quite equal caliber, but games that are they're trying to drum up as being significant as as significant, like uh Square Enix's Lost Sphere coming in January now, or uh, Rhyme coming in November now. Uh, those I'll probably pass right over, even though we've talked about them on the show multiple times. I've been impressed by what they're about, but like I'm not buying all these third-party games. I'm getting maybe two compared to, what, six first-party games? So it's it's weird. Wow. Like I'm part of the problem, and I know it, and I see them trying to fix it, and I'm like, meh. Like, Sonic's actually a unique case, though. I, it's I not should, your fault. I mean, no, it's not my fault. I'm just saying, like, if I'm someone that's this cognizant of all this, and it's not saying it's like a, you have a responsibility to buy third-party games, but <laughs> if I'm someone that's this cognizant of it and kind of like, oh, yeah, I get why they want third parties to do well. These games look interesting to me. I'm only buying one or two of them out of the five I'm interested in. I'm not the only one that... If I'm this aware and I'm still saying this, there are people who are, you know, paying less attention there for sure not buying some of these, most of these, all of these. So it's I don't know how else could help Nintendo. Yeah, Sonic's a unique case though in that um, if I do buy it, it's gonna have to be a day one purchase. Did you see? There's this rumor. I don't know if you saw it. I mean, if we get Sonic, it's gonna be on the PS4, so it's not even really gonna affect forces. Yeah. Why would you not get it on Switch? I mean, I get, the graphics aren't that big of a difference. I've played literally both versions. They are not that different. There's like better lighting in the PS4 version. Rather just get it. it on PS4. All right. Well, if you do it, do it day one. There's a rumor from Sega Bits, the Sega news site, that um, Day One Edition is going to come with custom in-game items so you can make your custom hedgehog avatar or whatever. I mean, it'd be Day One regardless. What? I mean, we'd be getting a Day One regardless. Well, good, because if you do, if this rumor is true, you can dress up your hedgehog or whatever in Knight's outfits, in Jet Set Rayo outfits, in Poyo Poyo Tetris outfits, and most significantly, Super Monkey Ball. 
I love me some Super Monkey Ball. Actually, you know, what What we really need is a new Super Monkey Ball. Never mind Sonic Forces with Super Monkey Ball outfits. Mm, it would be pretty much made for the Switch. Monkey Ball would be perfect yeah, on Switch. because like gyroscope the, and everything. Yeah, the gyroscope for the puzzle levels. Those puzzle levels are bite-sized. You can play it on the go. The mini games, you know, like Monkey Punch, Monkey Target, Monkey Fight, mm, or Monkey the Switch Fight. Switch is a there. mini game machine. Yeah, and but not just that, but like two Joy-Cons on one Switch. You could jump right in or you can, you know, wire multiple Switches to get wirelessly connect multiple Switches together. It is the perfect Switch game. So so they should do that. But but I digress. The Sonic thing's a detour. The real question is, like, so for me, I'm already like, well, the Nintendo strategy of getting third parties a chance to shine might not help so much. What about you? Like, how do you feel? Because you, you're already saying you're not going to buy much beyond Splatoon. Is there any third-party game at all? I mean, even Sonic Forces, you're now getting on PS4. Is there anything? And even anything? then, like, I'm not the one that's getting it at all. Right, right. But so. is there, like, anything where it's just, like... Anything catch your eye? Because you certainly have more eShop games than me. If you look at your Switch, you have how many I mean, games? How many games do you have on your Switch? 26, I think. Yeah, 26 that's, that's like a lot more than my 8 or 12. So is there something... Does this... I mean, if, if any like party game comes out like for a big group, like if the Jackbox Party Pack 1 and 2 come out during this lull, then I'll definitely get them. Mm-hmm. But that's kind of all I'm really looking for right now, just party games for like big groups of people. Right. I mean, I just bought um, sh- um, Use Your Words yesterday. See, so that's what's interesting is now that I think about it, how many – the majority of your games are indie, aren't they? Like Nindies and Indies and yeah, smaller – most of them, yeah. It, it's, it's, just because of that fact because they make most of the party games. It's like, true, yeah. But it's funny because like there's almost this sort of mental divide because we're talking like third party, third party, third party. And I do pick up a lot of – I don't know, some first-person platforms. Like I'll definitely get The End is Night whenever that comes out for the Switch. Right. But so there's some stuff. Yeah. I mean, and there was some stuff I was interested in, like Goner and. Um, Did you get Goner? No, I just decided against it. It just, hmm. I don't know. It's aesthetic. It's kind of, I don't know. I kind of feel, I don't want to say tired, but just um, I don't. Know, I, I want to tired. Look, I know. What you're, I, I think I know what you're getting at. Tired is the right word. Yeah, I just need a break from either TV size going indie platformers. Either indie platformers <laughs> or indie shooters or right. anything RNG related randomly generated anything right like i need something that has nice structure to it so tumble seed was kind of lasted after you huh yeah tumble, you know, tumble no, seed just no, added no, two player but, yeah, yeah but the thing is that tumble seed is like unique enough that i didn't mind that at all if anything like it added to it mm-hmm. but on the other ones like i feel i still kind of feel like a small bender done that even if they do have some unique yeah. i mean they do have unique elements to them i will just revisit them later once i'm kind of over this you like break yeah, because I just played way too many. Genre movies, exhaustion. Which is why I love Death Squared, which I'll get to later. Right. Because that's exactly what I was kind of looking for. Right. It's interesting, though, because, like, we're, you know, I I say to you, what third-party games catch your eye? And the immediate response are indie games, which is not Pretty a much problem. If anything's going to catch my eye, it's going to be indie games right now. It's just funny that there's this divide, at least mentally. There is a divide between third-party and indie, but, like, we always talk about how badly Nintendo needs third-party support. Like, I literally just want a whole thing. Nintendo needs to give third parties a chance to shine and you give them a chance to breathe. But when you look at the eShop, even on the Wii U back in the day, let alone on the Switch now, like, of, there's a ton yeah. of content from other companies that aren't Nintendo. Like, a good... And it's all pretty... Not all, but a lot. I guess technically right now, I have, like... I mean, I guess I have, tw- I have 26 games, like, four of them are from Nintendo. Yeah. So... Yeah, like, you're you're the type of statistic that third parties want to see but the thing is you're all indie they're all, and, yeah, they're all and it's interesting because like a lot of this is of course the idea that you want name recognition of certain games on your platform like you want call of duty you want assassin's creed you want uh skylanders but 
and and you certainly want certain publishers because they bring those games and you know it's weird to say our game doesn't have an activision or ea title on or our system doesn't have activision or ea like if you say someone if someone asks you like do you have mass effect no but we have this awesome party game called jackbox it doesn't really like it's there is a divide there for sure yeah, and it also waiting for i guess atui and wait for it to bring something new to the switch well atui just announced chicken uh wiggle for it comes out in a couple weeks yeah yeah i mean i'll definitely check that out but yeah i mean I it looks know. like mutant muds with a chicken yeah like it looks fun like there's a tongue mechanic that's kind of kind of reminds me of um like a mix it's like um it's like banjo kazooie it's like banjo kazooie with a hint of like dk king of swing in terms yeah. of how you use the tongue to like connect to things sometimes but the um what the worm the worm it's the worm that's like it's like banjo you're right it's a worm yeah, it's literally. I thought it was his tongue. I was no, like, well, it, chickens it, don't have tongues like that. And I just rolled with it. It's literally Benjamin <laughs> Kazooie. Like, it's the bird with a backpack and he has oh, a worm in his backpack. I didn't know that. Huh. Oh, wiggle. The worm wiggles to move. Chicken I get it. Chicken wiggle. I get it. Banjo Kazooie. Yeah. yeah. No, no. Those don't. Once an instrument falls no, by another. I, no, is it the title is made oh, up yeah, of the, both the characters' two, names. Two. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But anyway, the point I was going to get is, like, I do understand. The point I was getting at, I mean, is that I do understand, like, why third party versus indie matters, but it's just kind of funny that, like, ultimately. In terms of what enjoyment level we have, it seems like Nintendo has plenty. And they had plenty even on Wii U. It's just when you start to talk about in terms of like sales and marketing and big third parties, then that's where this funny divide comes from. But like frankly, there's a lot in the eShop already. Like more than you ever really think yeah, about. Yeah, I mean, like when is um, Pocket Rumble going to come out? Well, that's... I they know. had some netcode issues. They keep saying end of this quarter, but they said that last quarter. I know, like I mean, that comes out during the lull. Got that. If yeah. Celeste comes out during that lull, I'll get that. Yeah, like there's there's chances for stuff. And I mean, to be fair, Nintendo, we're making it sound like nothing from real third parties even did well on Switch. There are, of course, some true I mean, third party successes. Yeah, exactly. There's true third party successes in the sense of the traditional third party. I mean, you mentioned Street Fighter, but going back to the launch, you may recall uh, Super Bomberman R was the best launch of any Barman game since 1998. You also mentioned uh, Jackbox Party, right? Or Party Pack. Um, so Jackbox Party Pack was only number three on Switch at one point, and then that did well enough that we're now getting both one and two ported over simultaneously. So stuff is doing well. Or I mean, to your again, to your point, I'm just kind of matching up everything you're saying here. Capcom mentioned Ultra Street Fighter 2 The Final Cha- uh, Challengers did very well. It sold 450,000 copies which um, is more than they expected. Like, significantly more. And they were and expecting it to fail or something, or what? I don't know what they're expecting, but they were uh, the impression I got from their oh comments God, is they're well. kind of blown away that they sold half a million on what amounts to a multi-year-old Xbox Live Arcade game that's ported to Switch. It almost sounds like they're saying, like, oh, we really tried on this, it actually sold? Yeah. Wow, we should exploit Nintendo fans more. Exactly what I think they were saying. <laughs> but yeah, and, and as much as I... As much as I hate to say it, though, like that was one of those third-party tests of how well games are going to do on Nintendo system, and these tests are real, whether we like it or not. And luckily, as shown by this gap, as shown that Nintendo's doing, as shown by their attention to third parties in terms of you know really co-marketing stuff now more so than in the past, Nintendo does seem to be aware of these silly tests, and they are trying to accommodate it with the release gap. And and really, that's because they should, because like you know. When something sells well or exceeds expectations, it works out better for everyone because that means more games. It's kind of an obvious thing. Like like I was saying about Street Fighter, multi-year, you know, a game from a long time ago on Xbox Live Arcade. It is now quadrupled the price. It sold nearly half a million. That's insane. If you stop and think about it, it's crazy that a port of a like six-year-old Xbox game that has nothing new except a bad motion control mode could sell at quadruple the price and sell that much. 
Um, I mean, Capcom, it, they they didn't expect it so much that they told investors that they are now, quote, starting to prepare for more Switch projects. And the, the, the tricky thing about that, actually... So that was the news story that went around. They're starting to prepare for more projects. But then they separately said during the Q&A portion of the exact same investor meeting that Monster Hunter XX, or Double Cross, will serve as another test of the Switch audience. So they're like, oh cool, our test worked. Hey, we have another test. Like, it's kind of ridiculous that they're saying that. For the the Japanese market? I don't know, because Street Fighter also... It's true, actually. Street Fighter... Ultra Street Fighter 2 still better in the West than in Japan. Almost at a rate of 3 to 1. Yeah, but I mean, shouldn't how... But but shouldn't how Monster Hunter Generations did on the 3DS tell them how... You would think. You would think. I mean, they're moving in a positive direction with these comments. They went from being like, we're going to try Street Fighter and see what happens, to be like, hey, we're making more projects, we're still going to be cautious. Like, that's a step in the right direction. Oh, you're not going to get Troll and I? Like, no. Is that on August? No, it does not. Flip Wars? Flip Wars. Uh, we talked about it last episode. I'm kind of on the fence. They're adding a rank battle Iron mode Cast? and stuff. Phantom Trigger? Are you just going through a list of April or August releases? Neo Geo Aero Fighters 2? I'm not getting that. Gun Barrage? No idea. Huh. What's that about? Yeah. I don't know. Huh. That came out today. Yesterday. Hmm. Yeah, there were like six games that came out on the eShop yesterday. Like, just to show you the whole like, argument about like... I know that was supposed to be a... What? No, Retro City, that's like a... Game. Oh, yeah, that's out next week, too. Um, no, it came out already. Oh, yeah, that's right. And then uh, Shakedown Hawaii comes out soonish. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, but th- th- again, to the point of, like, third parties, we don't necessarily need them, because there were six releases on the eShop yesterday. Six. Six. <laughs> um, and they're all indie, I think. But, yeah, uh, to Capcom's defense, I do want to give them a little credit. All this whole, like, we're doing a test, we're doing a test, we're doing a test, is kind of all talk. Like, I'd prefer if Capcom took the lead of, say, Take-Two of all companies. They uh, they they usually don't mince words about Nintendo. They're usually like, yeah, we're going to be cautious or whatever. But with Switch, they're being really gung-ho about it. Like, their CEO just said to investors in their own investor meeting the other day... Take-Two... Is that... 2K Games and Rockstar. Is that the guy who's CEO or looks like Charlie Day? No, I think... I- Am I confusing him with him? You might be thinking of Activision. No, he doesn't look like... Eric Helberg doesn't look like Charlie Day. Um, I don't know. All I know is the Take-Two CEO's name is Strauss. I remember His at first a glance, name is Strauss. I remember at a glance at an E3 once, just like, wish I went away. Did they get Charlie Day out here to like talk about the Switch? I'm like, oh, he's not yelling or sound like him. Yeah. Like, oh, it's fine. <laughs> he's not giving silly ideas. He's not pitching a kitten mitten <laughs> video game. But, uh, yeah, no, their CEO was saying to investors, and I'm paraphrasing here, but he was saying that they knew Switch would do well. They have NBA 2K and WWE 18 coming to Switch. And they expect it to continue to do well. Of course, like I said, it's all talk, just like Capcom. But at least it's more positive talk than Capcom. And I kind of wish we saw that from more third parties. Like, I don't know. Capcom could be like, we're testing, we're testing, we're testing. But really, I guess at least with Capcom, as much as they say it, they're actually announcing new Switch games. Or, well, old games coming to Switch. Two old games coming to Switch as one new collection of old games is probably the best way to word it. But yeah, they announced. What well, I'm trying to say is they announced they're bringing <laughs> one old, one, one, one new, old game and one, one new, new old and game. one old, but one's newer than the new other. New to Nintendo, new to Nintendo, but not new to the gaming it's world. Really weird because like Nintendo started the franchise, but they're this is what's new. insane about. This. Okay, so for those who don't know what we're talking about, Resident Evil Revelations one and two are coming to Switch later this year. And it is weird because they've gone full circle. You're absolutely right. These games started on portable Nintendo system, uh, portable Nintendo system, the 3DS. They portable. Portable Nintendo handheld. 3DS. The 3DS. They then got HDified and put on Xbox, 
PlayStation and Wii U, and now they're being put on the HD Nintendo portable system, the Switch. So they've really done a complete full circle. It's kind of like they're coming home to roost. Oh no, no, you skipped on part two. Well, yeah, but okay, yeah. So they went to consoles. They stayed on consoles. Now well, the console yeah, one's coming well, back to the. Well, that's because we all got yeah. a, we got an HD remake that was on every console. Then they got a sequel that was on everything but, but Nintendo. And now they're bringing it back to yeah. Nintendo with the first one back where it started on a handheld. Yeah. But yeah, you'll be able to pick up later this year Revelations 1 or 2 individually at a price of $20 each on the eShop with all DLC included. Or or you can get a physical copy combined called Resident Evil Revelations Collection that includes the first game on the cartridge for $40 and not the second game on the cartridge, but a code to go download the second game from the eShop. Which is a little confusing, a little strange, a little odd. I mean, I kind of get. I think they're trying to keep the cartridge price down. We had that whole discussion back in like. You said April you didn't really that. want part one, right? You would only be interested in part two. I was about to say that right now, but yes, I have told you that because I own Revelations Part One on 3DS. Love it on 3DS, yeah, but I don't know if I need to double. I was gonna get collection. I was gonna get both if they're both on the cartridge. Like, screw it, why not? But if I still have to download Part Two, I might as well just go straight to Part Two and only pay twenty dollars. Yeah, because I was gonna say that. I mean, I was on the fence so many times on getting it on the Wii U just because I love that game so much I 100% I think it. I know what you're about to say we yeah. buy collection I take your download code we split the but then what's the no, no 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 because <laughs> my point is that ideally for these kind of games I would want um, only physical because they're single player games yeah but because I'm kind of being forced to download part 2 which I just beat recently and it's so fresh in my head I kind of don't want to get part 2 but you could just buy part 1 as a download for $20 no no, that's a, that's the point. I don't want to download it because it's you not a, physical. Yeah, that's why. So I'll I could, take your part so, two and that's give you so If I get the collection, I could give you the part I two. I figured out why they're doing this. Capcom the wants one. friends to split the game. <laughs> wow, that's so forward thinking. That's true innovation. And in then game you could just selling. bring your Switch over. You could dock it, and then we could play co-op. Yeah, that way you don't actually. To, that's a great that, idea. That way you don't have to play with your dad. Well, he wasn't going to play anyway. I told you that. But, uh, <laughs> no, that's actually a great idea. Or yeah, any person you could find. Because here's the thing. Like, Resident Evil Revelations Part 1 is really good. Like, we – if you go way into our archives of the podcast, I'm talking, like, episode 6 or 7. We do an episode about Revelations, and I think we both kind of loved it. Like, it, yeah, it's, it's really cool. Yeah, it's definitely one of my cool. favorite 3DS games of all time. The gy- even, like, the gyro aiming worked really well, which the now first, I'm happy I have dual analog with the, the first, Switch. It's but. the first game that introduced me to gyro aiming, and it's amazing capability. It was crazy, because that was on 3DS, like, within, you know, the early years of the 3DS, yeah. and it was really impressive graphically, uh, control-wise. for Ocarina of Time and Majora's Mask, gyro yeah. aiming, and the Splatoon. It just made it. It, means going it into paved the path easily, yeah. for it, yeah. And and there's, like, there's separately... It, so you got that whole game, and separately it also has, you know, there's the raid mode where it's just, like, kind of wave after wave of Emmy and the different scenarios in the game, but you get, like, a lot of content with that. And then there's the second one, and it's all just kind of bundled together. And I'll just see... It's, it's a very good deal if you've never played them. Like, they, they are very good games. But yes, in this specific like instance... 20 bucks? Damn. Well, 20, 20 bucks for each, 40 total. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But if you, or, but yeah, if you, you could also do physical. Like for us, this is the perfect scenario where you buy one and I take two, essentially. Or you buy collection and keep one and then I take two. Yeah, yeah. But oh, yeah, I, I mean, you, what, for some so, reason, so, I, th- I understood like you take two games. No, 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 no. Take no, like Revelations two. Yeah. I, I realize that made zero sense. Take two is also a game company, so that could have been really more confusing. I might have just bought the whole company off the $20 from the game. I don't know. But yeah, so how is part two? Because I like part one I love. I've never played part two. It's only on systems I don't own. It's co-op only? That's what you're starting to say a second ago. Yeah, it's um like Resident Evil 5. And... Oh, so it could be a computer-controlled co-op. Yeah. 
Yeah. The only thing about this one is that instead of like Resident Evil Five or Six, where both characters are pretty much the same character, mm-hmm. um, this one one character has the gun. It's like the one that's like running and gunning, and the other character is more plays more supporting role. You either play as Claire with the gun. Or her friend, who just has a flashlight and, I think, a crowbar. Her friend? Does her friend have a name? I don't remember her friend. Hi, name. I'm Claire. This is friend. Yeah, her friend. Player two. She just, like, shines a light at people to blind them. We'll find things for you. She's oh, like, so it's, like, really co-op in the sense of, no, like, yeah, like, like, you're you doing like, very different yeah, things. You need to yeah, go in tandem. Yeah, the, yeah, basically. Hmm. It, it's really interesting. It's really fun. And you, Or you could play as some other guy, who I forgot his name because he was a new character in Revelations 1, who was carried over to Revelations 2. And some little mysterious girl who, instead of a flashlight, she has like psychic powers. She can see enemies through walls. She can point at them to stun them. She can it's... see invisible enemies, but you can't. But the guy can't, so you need to help tell each other, like, oh, there's one right behind you, right in front of you, blah, blah, blah. So is, is Revelations 2 a full-on continuation of 1 in terms of plot? Like, are, are there still cruise ships involved? <laughs> not at all. Because 1 takes place on the cruise ships it's, exclusively. You could be, or not exclusively. You could be heavily. told it's a, completely, it's a game completely unrelated to it. It just uses the engine and mechanics. Basically. So it's like Resident I mean, Evil. I mean, there's like a loose... It's like Resident Evil no, normal, like 1, 2, 3, 4 are also. Yeah, it, there's like a loose tie-in, but I mean... Interesting. They might as well be completely different. It, it shouldn't have been called Revelation. So if... if it's, it's, yeah, it's the controls. It's the controls. So basically. if you're not in a situation like us, where you're going to buy the collection, best, I might take two. Would you recommend two to people? two people. But you recommend checking it out, even as a Switch, you know, oh, yeah, for Switch yeah, it's, it's just a fun co-op game. I love co-op games. Cool. Well, yeah. there you go. But uh, yeah, so that that was kind of a pleasant surprise with seeing that, and that's coming out this year, which is also a surprise. Um, but yeah, that that kind of sums up Switch. I mean, you know, Nintendo had a solid quarter. In this quarter, they got Splatoon and all this third party stuff, like a lot of third party stuff. Like we're talking over ten games after you went through that whole list a few minutes ago, or more like a dozen or a dozen plus, maybe even like six. That was just August. I know. Like it's actually kind of cool to see like Nintendo get support for real. I'm used to there being like two games a month, and now we're at like significantly more so so yeah that's yeah, like switch. four or five games a week i know but but that uh yeah that's only like half the nintendo store because of course the other nintendo system of note is the 3ds and if we go back to the financials for a bit for a minute here to the financial report Fine. 3ds yep you're welcome 3ds um not doing quite as well as switch is certainly not the same success story i mean they stole 970,000 additional 3ds's from april to june that q1 period uh, that means it's up 1% compared to a year ago, so they're holding steady. I guess that's good. But then on the flip side, uh, 3DS game sales have dropped pretty significantly by 31% year over year. Uh, that's obviously not good. Now, part of that, you could argue, is because of what games came out in Q1 of 2016 versus Q1 of this year. Like this year, we got two weeks of the admittedly niche um, Ever Oasis, and then we got Fire Emblem Echoes. Which Nintendo's only saying it sold well. And whenever you just say the word well and don't put numbers on that word, to me that always has kind of an ominous, like it didn't perform as well as they had hoped, or maybe, you know, like you don't, if you're happy that it sold a million, you go, it sold a million. If you're happy it sold half a million, you say it sold half a million. If you say it did well, that means it didn't do well, in my mind, or at least not as well as you maybe anticipated. But anyway, compare that to last year's first quarter in 2016, where there was the million-selling um, Kirby Planet Robobot. There's Bravely Second End Layer, which was a, uh, the original was a surprise hit 
so they had you know that one they had pretty strong hopes for on the eShop you had Mario and Donkey Kong Amiibo Challenge which Mario and Donkey Kong's a pretty steady seller and then on top of that you also had the surprise release of Rhythm Heaven Mega Mix so you had four games last year you had basically two games this year and obviously those alone don't make up for a full 31% drop in year over year game sales but they certainly contributed to a stronger last year and thus by definition a weaker this year at least you know q1 comparison the thing is ultimately if we look at the full fiscal year when you know when we get to that point like past this quarter all the quarters combined looking at like next april i'm pretty sure software sales are going to end up being kind of a wash in the end or maybe even up this year because they have a couple things in their favor with 3ds that i think are going to be pretty crucial to helping 3ds do well over the year as a whole it really it really starts with hardware I mean, new 2DS XL just launched. Um, it's off to a pretty impressive start, at least over in Japan where numbers are starting to come out. In uh, just the past week alone, it sold 142,000 units, which to give some perspective, if you look at 3DS year-to-date sales, meaning sales from January 1st through you know, this past week, it's currently sitting at 936,000 units in Japan, the 3DS. Last year's year-to-date total from you know January 1st to the equivalent of this week a year ago was at 796,000. So it's up a decent amount, and that's a system that came out six years ago, and it's still up a decent amount. So that's a promising sign. And then here in the States, along with the 2DS XL just launching, Nintendo's also releasing a uh, new $80 regular doorstop-looking 2DS bundle on August 25th that comes with New Super Mario Bros. 2. And in both cases... You know, um, if it's the XL or the regular 2DS, what's happening is that anyone who is now joining the 3DS family suddenly has hundreds upon hundreds of these games already available that are basically pure profit and pure sales number boosters for Nintendo. So it's it's kind of actually kind of the ultimate like incarnation of that whole 3DS is a budget system now strategy that I keep bringing up on the show. Like it's an easy way for Nintendo to juke those software sales numbers because they. All these tiles are out there. They're just free money at this point. And, you know, we're already seeing it kind of happen. Like, honestly, I, somehow Pokemon Shuffle on the 3DS eShop just hit another sales milestone of 6.5 million downloads. That game came out forever ago. The fact that it's still chugging along just kind of shows that, you know, there are these games that will keep selling and keep making money, and Nintendo doesn't have to invest much into them. If you look at the 2DS commercials, they're obviously promoting Mitomo. I mean, Mitopia. They're obviously promoting Hit Pikmin. But in those same reels, you see Pokemon, you see Mario Kart, you see the Mario games. Like, all these old games are still being pushed, and that's going to boost sales. And then for those who may be double, triple, even quadruple dipping with these new 2DSs, um, Nintendo has new titles, too, that are also going to boost sales, I think. Like, basically for every game that perhaps they didn't release this past first quarter, you know, where there was the sales slump, they now have a game this current second quarter to kind of make up for it, and then some. Like, I mentioned Metopia. I mentioned Hey Pikmin, both just launched alongside the 2DS um, XL last week. In Japan, Dragon Quest XI came out and sold 2 million copies in two days, which is kind of insane. I mean, granted, um, only a third, or sorry, only a third, wow, only 1.1 million are for the 3DS. 1.1 million of those 2 million are for the 3DS, the rest are for PS4. But still, it's the third biggest launch in franchise history for Dragon Quest. That is a million, 1.1 million games sold on 3ds that probably did not have an equivalent from a year ago no. and it just goes to show how much like 3ds sales can still rebound in these remaining quarters if dragon quest can do that if you know pokemon ultra sun ultra moon in the fall can do numbers even half that it's pretty impressive 
and it can you know really sort of boost the overall software numbers that Nintendo's now saying are down a third. Um, it dra- actually in Dragon Quest case, like honestly, it could not have happened to a nicer a nicer game. Like I don't know why. I really love the approach they took with this 3DS version. I don't know. You don't really follow this stuff at all, I assume. Not Dragon Quest. Yeah, so for for you who haven't, hasn't seen it, for people who haven't seen it, what they did is, so the PS4 version's full 3D, right? It's kind of Dragon Quest Eight Nine, like the kind of behind-the-back 3D. On 3DS, they can't match that. They want to match the scenario. They want to match the story. But they can't obviously do a full PS4-quality 3D game. So what they did is they kind of split it. So on the top screen, you have, like, the scenarios playing out in that 3D space, but then how you kind of move about and everything is on the bottom screen in classic 2D Dragon Quest Dragon Quest uh, sprites. So it's kind of like this cool. You have, like, old school and new school literally, like, stacked on top of each other simultaneously. So, so as you, like, see someone talking, like, if you go up and talk to someone in the sprite world on the lower screen, the top screen is showing a, showing a full 3D animation of that conversation. So what happens when you're walking board. around not talking to someone? That I'm not as sure about because I haven't followed it that closely. <laughs> That's a good question. But I, I, I'm not sure. Maybe it just shows the environment or something. But I just think, like, the old meets new is a really cool approach. Hmm. And it's kind of cool that Square Enix is being rewarded for it already. They also confirmed it's coming to the U.S. in 2018. So It's like a next, it's like an evolution of character portrait dialogue. Yeah. It's like, it's yeah, it's basically like the next-gen version of that. And like I said, I'll be here in 2018 sometime. But, but yeah, my point is 3DS is still getting a lot of games this quarter. Because uh, come September, not only do we have the previously announced Metroid Sands Returns, but they also just confirmed, they being Nintendo, that uh, Monster Hunter Stories will be out September 8th. Yokai Watch 2 Psychic Specters will come September 29th. And again, going back to that old point of Nintendo kind of turning the 3DS into a budget system, of the five games I've rattled off from Nintendo, Miitopia, Hey Pikmin, Metroid, uh, Monster Hunter Stories, and Yokai Watch 2, Two of those are outsourced. Two of those are third-party games Nintendo's only doing simple, like, localization for. And one of them is a pre-existing engine. A new game with a pre-existing engine. So, in other words, all of them are minimal cost. All of them are minimal investment. All of them are maximum profit. So, again, even if sales are down 31%, they're still bringing in my 3DS, I think. Um, Although, actually, speaking of Metroid, we should detour for a second here. We should... um, we should talk about Amiibo and Metroid. Oh, the ones I canceled yeah. my pre-order for. Yeah, so so the details of how Samus Returns will utilize those Metroid Amiibo have recently come out, and it it's something. I mean, Nintendo historically has locked content behind Amiibo. That's nothing new to anyone who's been following Nintendo since Amiibo started. So at first brush, what you see with the Metroid Amiibo Samus Returns functionality isn't too crazy. Like, you can unlock an Aeon Energy Recharger with the new Samus Amiibo. You get a Metroid marker that makes it easy to find Metroids using, appropriately enough, the Metroid Amiibo, the little squishy one. Or, if you have the old Smash Bros. Samus Amiibo or the Smash Bros. Zero Suit Samus Amiibo, you can get reserved missile tanks. That's all fine and good. Kind of mimics what we've seen from Amiibo lately. Um, In fact, I would say, you know, this whole idea of, like, here's some extra items, here's some in-game assistance, that sort of thing, we just saw in Breath of the Wild, and no one had a problem with it. It's totally fine. Whatever. But where it gets problematic, in my mind, is what else they unlock. So if you scan the new Samus Amiibo and beat the game, you will unlock a hard mode called Fusion Mode that also features Samus in her, bu- her blue Metroid Fusion getup. Actually, I take that back. I think it's the Metroid Amiibo that unlocks that, not the Samus one. Either way, one of the new Amiibo unlocks a hard mode with the Fusion getup. 
And then the other one, if you... Uh, beating the game without doing just unlike a regular hard mode without the fusion I don't know. I don't think so. They're saying the fusion mode... Now, see, that's the thing. That's what people don't know. They're saying the fusion mode is unlocked by scanning the Metroid Amiibo. Is there a hard mode without fusion? Who knows? But right now, they're basically saying the only way to access this harder mode with the suit as a single sentence. Like, not like it's a harder mode yeah, with yeah, the yeah. suit. It's the harder mode where you wear the suit is through an Amiibo, which is kind of eh. And then the Samus Amiibo will unlock an art gallery. And then if you scan the Smash Bros. Zero Suit Samus Amiibo, you get a selection of music. And if you unlock, and if you scan the Smash Bros. Samus Amiibo, you get more art for your art gallery that you unlock using the other Amiibo. So if you don't have the first art gallery already... I assume they'll <laughs> each unlock part of the art gallery. Oh, okay. But my, my point is, in every Metroid up to this point, all these things, hard mode, art gallery, music selection, like, you know, the play the music back, all that was earned through merit alone, through your own skill in passing the game, uncovering things along the way, and it's like, oh, cool, you did a thing. Here's some art. Here's some music. Now, you still have to do the things in some cases, but they're stuck behind this plastic paywall of Amiibo and require... They require the skill, but they also require you to pay money. Like, you're literally needing to pay to access the hard mode of what amounts Metroid to games, DVD uh, extras. <laughs> Metroid 2... Did have an art gallery. I don't think we've had a music gallery before. No, I think for a Metroid game. I think one of the Metroids did. Well, either way, Not it's a DVD. Okay, well, let's fine. I, think I would have known. Take away the I mean, the music thing. My point is, you're paying for the privilege of getting DVD extras. Essentially, I know. I know. It doesn't matter if it's on a Metroid game or not. I mean, Kirby games come with a music gallery. Other yeah. games come with an art and, gallery and without needing like, amiibo. Someone out there is for sure gonna point out that the Cave of Trials in Zelda: Twilight Princess HD is accessible only through the Wolf Link amiibo. And you know what? You could argue that's kind of a hard mode. You could say, sure, as annoying that is, Nintendo's oh, because done the that Ganon before. Amiibo for Twilight Princess had the hard mode. That's right. Okay, so there's a real hard mode. Either way, so they've done hard mode before, sure. Well, okay. all I did was just make you take twice as much damage. But... Still a hard mode in a way. I'm pretty yeah. sure this, minus the fusion suit, fusion mode is just If you combine that damage. with the in-game heroic mode, yeah, not like... Yeah. But, 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 like, so that, okay, Nintendo's done that before with Amiibo, I guess... It's nothing new, but I really don't like how a series standard art gallery or the idea of a music thing is now pay to access. Like, if you insist on pay to access, first of all, at least do what Ubisoft is doing with uh, Starlink, that space shooter with where you build the or just what Ubisoft does toy. in general with their coins and yeah. go to the website and, and unlock like that's use how you, my Nintendo coins. Like that's how you unlock the um, videos in game for Zombie U. Like I remember, I got like a a cricket bat that has some art on it from the Uplay website. Yeah. And and, and you know what? Which is pretty Nintendo... cool. It actually felt cool to like browse the thing like, oh, right? I could get coins from from Zombie U to use for Rayman or vice versa. Like, if you want to... Yeah, so do that with My Nintendo. If you want no, to... Dude, we have My Nintendo coins already. Why right, you, that's what I'm about we... to say. If you want to put the music behind an Amiibo, go ahead, but also let's buy it with coins. Or like, what Star say Ubisoft did with Starlink or is going to do when it comes out next year is you don't have to buy the physical thing. You can pay real money for a digital only one like a digital only ship or a digital only whatever so in theory that is so dumb it's what no, no, I, I assume it's you think it's dumb no no not what Ubisoft was doing with oh, oh this yeah because yeah. I was like I think that's smart but I was kind of curious to hear your counter argument but I guess you agree um, I do agree yeah but like I don't know like it, I like Ami- like don't get me wrong I have the new Metroid Amiibo pre-ordered I think they look really cool I just can't fully wrap my hair on the idea that accessing standard features now requires not just paying with something, but having to 
buy a physical thing. Like, what if you yeah. don't have room for these things? You never get to see concept art? That doesn't make sense. But you know what? I don't know if it's me becoming more older. jaded or older or whatever, but... I mean, I canceled the Amiibo, and yet I, I'm starting to feel less cheated that I'm not getting those things without the Amiibo. I, I at this point, I just kind of feel like I just want to beat the game and just move on. Well, here, here's my issue. Here's here's part of my disappointment. Which is funny. If it's there, great. If it's not, I mean... I'm, no, it's a valid point. Like, yeah. quite frankly, how often am I going to look at that art? Once. So I'm making a mountain out of a molehill, moh, mountain out of a molehill here. But I guess part of my disappointment or frustration, or wherever you want to call it. I mean, not every this, game has the music thing. Some games do. I mean, Splatoon has the music, the music player, and turns it into DDR. I know it's great, but, yeah. but no. And I mean, yeah, I think part of it's the history of Metroid since they did Prime, and basically since the original Prime is they've always thrown this stuff in there. So it's kind of weird to remove it. But no, I think the the main thing here of my disappointment or frustration is that. Nintendo has always pitched Amiibo as these cool little physical things that enhance your game somehow. Not necessarily in a major gameplay way. I guess they're technically enhancing it. Well, no, that's the thing. They're not. Because it's not necessarily... It could be a cosmetic enhancement. Like, you know, the costumes in Yoshi's World, I would say, count. Mario Kart 8's uh, Amiibo racer outfits count. But, you know, obviously dropping assist items in Zelda, or even Metroid having, you know, you unlock the radar, that all counts. Or you get, like, an extra reserve of a missile. That counts. I get that. You could even argue maybe hard mode fits into that idea that's enhancing the gameplay. But there is nothing enhancing about like, hey, we opened some JPEGs for you. It just, I don't know. It just well, bothers me. I mean, I guess me. if you get the collector's edition, you'll get the audio CD, which... No, it's fine. Yeah. Which no, you can't even use because I don't have a... Oh, yeah, that's right. You were going to let me borrow your... External CD-ROM, yeah. which, by the way, multiple people have commented on the fact that my dad has an external CD drive and said it was cool. And that just blows my mind that that was the... Sti- of all the things in that episode, that was the sticking point. I mean, it is cool. It's super 90s tech, but it is cool. Um... But yeah, I guess I guess the thing with this is just like you're supposed to get these little unlocks as like a job well done. Like you you earned it. It's an unlockable feature that you earn, not something they just you pay for. I don't know. I mean, again, I'm making a mountain out of a molehill here, but it is just kind of weird that like it's almost like Nintendo's run out of ideas of what to do with Amiibo. Hmm. Well, maybe and sad thing is, they never really had a full idea. They kind of just half asked it a little. Smash Brothers feels like it was their, their the most, pinnacle, their most fully realized one that yeah. actually sounded cool, and I still think it's cool. Now, I love the fact that, like, I can have a, one Amiibo and have it scanned into seven different games. Actually, it can be a costume in one, an item in another. Splatoon are pretty cool. Yeah. No, at least, at least, really cool. Uh, actually, Splatoon 2, at least. Splatoon the fact 1 that you was can kind of take <laughs> your loadout onto your Amiibo, go to a friend's house, and plop it in. Now, granted, you could also just take your Switch, but that's not an option for whatever reason. The fact that you can just bring your Inkling Amiibo with you. I could you, see that for, like, turn- cool. like, for tournament setups. Like, if they just yeah. have a bunch of Wii's already docked, yeah. you just take your Amiibo. That'd and honestly, cool. that's something that I feel should definitely be done for Smash for Wii U. Use your Smash for the Amiibo. You mean Switch. Yeah, Smash for Switch. Here to correct you. <laughs> because so many people, every tournament I go to, everyone always wants to put their name. Everyone has very specific control. Sometimes some people want to have jump off. Some people yeah. want the shoulders to jump. But that always like, kills a lot of time. If they just had the Amiibo, just scan it in and be that's great. it. Yeah. Yeah, just really fast. And that falls under Nintendo's original purview of Amiibo being That'd this be thing perfect. that enhances your gameplay because that enhances how the game functions and how you get to the next thing. It would save probably an hour off of every probably. tournament ever. Probably. Probably. Maybe more. But yeah, with, with Metroid, with the Samus Returns thing, that kind of sums up our little 3DS segment here. I view, like, in my mind, the meh performance of the system this past quarter is not really a problem. It's more of a calm before the storm. 
uh, you know, the system, 3DS has certainly had its ups and downs. Like the momentum we've on the show over years, we've talked about, is it bringing out steam? Is it not? But I feel this Q1 was not one of those times. It's already on the rise this month as we're talking about it. All signs point to it continuing to do so. So it's more just, you know, it's just a, like I said, calm for a storm. So, so that's 3DS. Um, the final piece of the puzzle of Nintendo's financial report, however, is a rather large one that you maybe didn't think about much lately because Nintendo hasn't really actively done much lately, but that's mobile. Now, Nintendo bum- bundles their various IP initiatives in the same bucket as their mobile applications, and together, the number they put out there, this portion of Nintendo's business, has brought in 9.08 billion yen, which is the equivalent of $110 million, which is up an insane 450% compared to the same quarter a year ago. Now, on some level, that makes sense, because in Q1 2016, this was before Pokemon Go, before Mario Run, before Fire Emblem Heroes, all they had was Mitomo. Mitomo did not make them much money. So it kind of makes sense that would jump 450%. But still, that is a very, very, very big percentage jump like that that's insane and of the apps i just rattled off it's interesting to see which are actually like the breadwinners for nintendo on mobile um obviously pokemon goes up there it represents about 29.4 million of that total revenue i just mentioned and what's crazy about pokemon go is it's only going to continue to bring in money for nintendo this quarter it turns out because the introduction of legendary pokemon is actually surprisingly hugely popular July 23rd, I I didn't think it would be this big. No, like, this is... I thought it would boost it, but the fact that the day after they rolled out Legendaries, July 23rd, that was the single biggest day of revenue for Pokemon Go since it launched. According to Sensor Tower, who does, um, you know, like, kind of third-party analytics about this sort of stuff. Niantic, in that single day, single biggest day since launch, brought in $5.8 million. Just saw people buying stuff to do the raids. That's a lot of money in a single day. And since then, Go has consistently been at or near the top of iOS's top grossing list. Um, it's, you know, they're, they're making money off these little Pokemon Go rings they came out with. So, you know, the Pokemon Go Plus that you wear on the wristband? Well, in Japan, you can now get a ring and hold it in your hand and kind of keep it lodged in your hand with a ring for safekeeping. I don't quite understand it, but they're selling them in Japan per, and they're doing pretty decently. And they even have, like, super bundles where you get, like, multiple rings in different styles and stuff. Like, it's... Yeah, so that's just even more revenue. So they're just bringing it all in. And considering considering the fact that they're also being sued about Pokemon Go Fest, granted, they're probably not going to have to pay it out. But, like, they could, you know, having all this money come in is good now versus any other time. But, yeah, that, that lawsuit thing's actually really funny. You've heard about that, possibly. I don't know. The but suit? Yeah, so, essentially... People are upset that they traveled, you know, from faraway places, got hotels, only to not have Pokemon Go Fest go smoothly in Chicago, which we went into detail about last episode. And I totally get that. Like, you know, you went and you expect a certain thing. But at the same time, it's like Niantic never said to travel. They never said, you know, it's your prerogative to go to seek to a place for a thing. It's like getting a concert ticket. If a band cancels your show the next night because one of their singers is sick, they're not going to refund your hotel. That's on you. So if, you know, or let's say they cancel the show because the lighting rig fell down and crushed a poor soul on the ground. They're not going to can they're not going to refund your hotel and airfare if you happen to come from out of town. That's on you. You mm. when you buy it there are limitations and whatnot that they outright say we are not responsible. I assume GoFest had the same thing. If they didn't, 
that's incredibly dumb of them. But like, it's not on Niantic to, if things go wrong, it's not on Niantic to do anything more than reimburse your ticket. They already went above and beyond. They're giving a hundred dollars of in-game credit or in-game items, I should say, to every person that went. So you're actually making eighty dollars by going and having the fiasco happen to you. It's like they they don't know anything. But yeah, beyond that, the it's just anecdotally kind of insane how big Pokemon Go got again out of nowhere because of legendaries. Like this won't be reflected in any numbers of Nintendo until next financial report in October. But the legendaries have led to probably the largest groups of people playing I've ever seen for Pokemon Go. I'm talking like. 20 people at any one gym at any one time to catch a Lugia or an Arcuno or a Moltres. They're literally like roaming bands of trainers who just hop from gym to gym when there's a legendary spawning there and they all coordinate in like Facebook groups and whatnot and they map out their routes and they go catch them all and it's mostly because these legendaries require 15 to 20 people to complete the raid battle at which point you then get a chance to maybe catch them with a premier ball if you're lucky. So far, I've not. I never got an Arcuno. I've not succeeded at Moltres yet. Zapdos, we'll see in a week. But um, yeah, it it it's just nuts. To see. I've never seen groups this big. These like super dedicated. There are people that have multiple phones. Like they'll come because so wow. next door to our office, we work next door to Square Enix. That's partly why we're seeing the big groups. To be fair, but uh, next door to our office is a gym, and there's often a legendary there. And there's a dude that rolled up and was like dual fisting <laughs> dual fisting phones and he was like just hammering away on both of them it was it's kind of crazy and it, it, to be clear it doesn't make it any less weird when you walk up to a raid and there's a full mob of people hanging out waiting in battle and you're just like hey guys I'm gonna do this too like it's still as awkward as you imagine it would be a year ago before legendaries but Niantic's dream of getting all these people together in the real world like out in the world meeting each other and doing stuff is now finally happening because of raids and it's also generating a ton of money for Nintendo so, or well, for Niantic and Nintendo gets you know a portion of that. So that twenty nine million they made off Pokemon Go previously, I suspect that's going to be pretty high or much higher this coming quarter or the quarter we're in currently. But raids aside, um, you know, Pokemon Go is kind of what you would expect to be the one driving a lot of this. One game you probably wouldn't expect or that flew under the radar a lot more is Fire Emblem Heroes. Like, when's the last time you even saw a reference to Fire Emblem Heroes? Like, two weeks ago? Yeah, did you know Maybe within... yesterday, actually? Oh, okay. Well, I was going to say within two weeks recently ago. Recently, because of all the the summer stuff, and then Elvis downloaded it recently. Well, yeah, so that's what I was going to say. They, they just gave it a marketing push, because they basically didn't Nintendo Direct for Fire Emblem. Oh. But, and in that, I forgot what they called it, but in it, you know, they announced stuff like... Um, Oh, there's like a whole summer of new battle things and a new arena mode and bonus orb opportunities and chances at free summons of characters this that and the next thing but the thing about Fire Emblem is like generally speaking it's the most niche of Nintendo's apps outside maybe Miitopia I mean Mitomo. I keep mixing them up but like this is an older stat from previous financials but last number Nintendo put out there there are 10 million people who have downloaded Fire Emblem and between them they've generated 100 million dollars in revenue that is more money than Mario Run made. And Mario Run was downloaded 90 million times. It's kind of fascinating to see. Like, obviously Fire Emblem is more of a standard smartphone game than Mario Run. Like, you have the character summoning summoning gotcha mechanic, like that kind of random element of it where you have to pay and you don't know what you're going to get, so you keep kind of betting into it using the in-game currency of orbs. Um, you have a lot of going back and playing the same maps and leveling up characters and a lot of kind of grinding. And all of that feeds into the same money system that is generating so much revenue but if you compare that with like Mario Run where it's a one time $10 purchase 
which only about 4% of players even made, like it kind of starts to make sense why Fire Emblem is doing so much better. And there's actually a great article on this blog called Dis- Deconstruction of Fun that outlines a lot of how Fire Emblem was able to pull off bringing in this much revenue off this few players compared to Mario Run. Because like really, what's what's insane about it is not just like they you know they have players giving money but the retention rate of those players must be really high if they're all giving that much money like it's beyond the norms of a mobile game and i'm not going to break down like the entire article but if you are curious uh anyone out there we do link to it on episode 156 blog post at ramtown.com it's worth a read but what i will say is that the article raises a really interesting point about how nintendo treats in-game currency and i think this may tip us off to what animal crossing is going to do because Honestly, if there's any monetary scheme for a mobile uh, app, this monetary scheme with Animal Crossing is like the perfect pairing. It just makes sense because you buy items in Animal Crossing, you decorate your house, you get clothes. Like this, it makes total sense that they would do a similar, my similar like in-app purchase scheme versus you know premium only or pay to unlock everything or whatever. So what Fire Emblem does is kind of interesting. Is first of all, they give you orbs every time you play a map, every single time you play. Not just when you get past a specific segment or a specific scenario or a specific group of maps, which is what a lot of other games do. Then, once you have those, they encourage you to not only spend the orbs when you have... Um, sorry. I lost my train of thought there. They, as I say, they encourage you to not only spend the... Yeah, they encourage you to not only spend the... Can you tell him I have notes here? The orbs? Yeah, as I say, they encourage you to not only spend the orbs, but to do it when you have a maximum number of them. So basically, you can summon up to five characters at once, and that costs 20 orbs. If you want to summon one character, it costs more orbs per character. The more characters you summon, the cheaper it becomes. So they want you to max out that 20 orbs. And doing that means that Nintendo is basically giving you an extra gameplay hook on top of the usual character leveling and grinding of typical mobile games because, you know, they're able to get you to, say, play a single map a day, which is a very brief activity. And then they give you some orbs. But then they're like, hey, now that you have these orbs, perhaps you should get some more orbs. Because you don't want to get ripped off. You want to maximize your orbs, right? So, like, <laughs> maybe come chum. So like maybe come back tomorrow and get a couple more orbs. And then come back the day after and get a couple more orbs. And they're, like, you know, they're basically getting people to come back and play more. So then I, typical Joe Gamer, may decide instead of just playing every few days and summoning a character or two, I'm now going to play every day and try and summon the maximum of char- characters I can because it's most, worth, it's most worth my while and my time. And that, in turn, means I'm probably spending more real money in Fire Emblem Heroes simply because I am now engaging with the game that much more and that much more is being put in front of my face and I'm going to be that much more into everything, even if it is only for little pockets of time every day. So it's kind of like this extra layer on top of just level grinding, which is interesting and apparently many mobile games don't do. So again, I would check out the article if it's, you know, if it's, um, if this sounds of interest to anyone listening, um... I may have butchered it slightly just now, but it's 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 kind of interesting that like Nintendo's thinking a little bit beyond just like the simplest monetization and trying to really have a Nintendo esque gameplay hook that cycles you back in over and over. And again, it really makes me wonder what Animal Crossing is going to be because like you can't really like level grind furniture, and yeah, you can't really like. Not... But you can do the whole discount system. You can encourage people to by giving them you know more free money more frequently or more free in-game currency more frequently, you can encourage them to play more and then do sort of this kind of bulk, do things in bulk, get more, and then that encourages you to keep playing more, which then means you spend more money in the long run because you're more into it than you would be otherwise. So there, there is that level they could kind of mimic. But but we'll see. We'll see. 
I'm very curious to see what Animal Crossing. Will be. I don't even know when Animal Crossing is coming out. Have they keep saying like later this year, but oh. they were doing a, a mobile game every like four months at one point, so or every six months. So we're kind of hitting the threshold of that. But yeah, that that pretty much does it for Nintendo's financials and for our news, really. Um, really? Yeah, it's kind of the backbone of everything. Like everything sort of ebbs and flows through that. But speaking of ebb and flow, Splatoon Two. That that is a song from Splatoon Two. You see. Uh, but yeah, um, Splatoon Two is obviously uh, the the hot thing right now for applying knowledge from earlier. Yes, er, knowledge you presented to me off mic, and now I am putting it on mic. But yeah, Splatoon Two is kind of the the new hotness on the Switch right now. Everyone's playing it. Everyone's talking about it. And you, people are playing it right now. People are playing it right now. Right now, as we're talking, is the Splatfest between uh, ketchup and mayonnaise. If you want to know where we stand on this, I encourage you to go to our Twitters. I'm JSR7. He is Wero. W-E-I-R-O underscore O. And we were trash talking all day. And looking back, it's slightly cringy, but slightly entertaining. So, you, I don't know. You may get kicked out of it. I'm just going to say go Team Mayo. That's all. But if you want... Ew. I think you Actually, Mayo's great, but yeah. I, yeah. I digress. Yes, but uh, yeah, so Splatoon Two. You you're way more into it than me. Like, what what what's your I don't even know where take to start. Like, do I start with the mobile app? Do I start with the? Well, I could start with my an overall thought of the game. I have an interesting analogy that I came up with. I think. Sure. Okay. You know what Splatoon Two is? Splatoon Two to Splatoon is Mario Galaxy Two to Mario Galaxy. And what I mean by that, ignoring all the restrictions and weird gameplay, uh, like limitations they put on it with the app and everything. What I mean by that is the core concepts of Splatoon 2 are basically unchanged and kind of samey, like same-samey from uh, Splatoon 1, but the developers just went a little more wild with it. Like, they just went deeper into it. They got some I more mean, crazy I feel ideas. I like that works for Galaxy. Them. And, and I, I get the analogy, and I do agree with it mostly, but I feel like what you're describing right now is mainly Galaxy. I feel like... Well, and single-player really... Splatoon. No, Dude, the, not single player. You don't think so? The first boss in the single player Splatoon two mode is an oven that shoots bread at you. Like loaves of bread shoot out of it, and you climb the loaves of bread to get to the top to kill him. That's a, that's definitely a developer as comfortable in the concepts of the game and just running wild with ideas. Yeah, is that not like I mean, I guess, that's wacky? But... And even some of the new weapons they've come up with are kind of just like a little more out there. Like they have literally just a bucket of paint. <laughs> Like in the yeah, first, but that wasn't the first game. Was it? Yeah. What What's the new one they had? They have a dip, but it's not a new the, one. The only two new ones we got are the dualies, which are right. pretty much just like the other rabbit Well, that fire. was just standard. And the, the only original new one we got was the umbrella. Oh, the umbrella. That's what I was thinking of. That, yeah, that, that, that one's that, pretty cool. No, that's... Yeah, but that, again, the first game... Yeah, but this is one item that is worth merit, meriting. The dualies sure. are literally just... The same. The the AR, the other gun, the Spushomatic that you, that you dodge roll. Yeah, but I guess... There's nothing even, wrong with that. I mean, yeah. it's just like... It's just or even just on the increment. character design, though. Like Honestly, some of the new people like, they introduced in the Ingopolis, like the 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 guy that's basically a giant temper shrimp. I forgot his name. Like some of that stuff. Christy Sean? No, he was in the first game, wasn't he? Yeah. Yeah. Who am I thinking of? They they swapped out some of the shopkeeps. I know that. Yeah, I mean, well, the Jalonzo is now yeah. some other guy, some other jellyfish. The jellyfish is still jellyfish. Yeah. The shooting dude is still a shooting dude. I I see your point. For Mario Galaxy, Annie, more the, the anemone is now a sea slug, which actually her design is probably one of the cooler ones. Yeah. Then you have that creepy looking um, krill, I think it's what yeah, it is. Krill. Yeah. But, I mean, like, first let me say that I do love this game. It's really fun. But I feel like 
I don't know. I guess that's someone that played the first one a lot. At least until... At least, like, to completion, like, just as a game, not, like, as a competitive game. This game felt, like, less of Galaxy 2 and more, like, half of Galaxy 2. Like, this game literally... Like, the more I played Splatoon it... 1.5. It literally felt like this game was, like, at one point, like, gonna be Splatoon DX. But then they had just, like, barely enough new things. <laughs> enough tweaks that they're, like, uh, it's kind of weird to call it DX. Let's call it a sequel. I mean, to your point, single player does the first second you open single player, it's like, you gotta collect zap fish. Remember that? Or, I mean, no, 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 what's Marie say? Yeah. It's something like, I feel like we've done this before. No, I know she actually like, yeah. like, oh, DJ Octavio like escaped, like from yeah. his little bubble prison, yeah. and blah, blah, blah. Like, so yeah, maybe, maybe I just I mean, got so caught up in and, and the then, crazy bosses of I mean, I was kind of looking player. for like single player craziness, and I mean, I don't really want to spoil anything without sounding pessimistic, but I mean, there. I guess like, you see the creativity of the first boss, then you go to the second one, you're like, all right, cool. And then you go to the third one, you're like, really? And then you go to the fourth one, you're like, oh, God. Yeah, because I'm only a couple in. Like, it literally goes, it's a downhill. That's unfortunate. It, it's a very steep downhill. I mean, quite as frankly. As far as creativity goes. Quite frankly, they could have just done all kitchen appliances, and I would have been fine. And like, then, oven, refrigerator, stove actually, top. Wait, I take that back. <laughs> I do like, I do really like the third boss. The second, no, I do like the fourth boss. The fourth boss is pretty cool. Yeah. The third one and the f- last one were just kind of like, well, I, I thought, I thought like. That's a bummer. I guess almost to, <sighs> almost to the inverse of your point, where you're like, it's I, bad I, that I it's think so it's just similar. because I really loved the surprise factor of Platoon. I mean, that's like... Right. Like, I mean, the, just, like the so reveal of DJ Octavio as the final boss and, like, how they, like, set it Spoilers. up. Spoilers. I know, okay, okay. And it was just, like, really well done, and then you get to Splatoon 2, and it's, like, basically the same thing, which is just kind of disappointing. But... It's very good at being the same thing. It's so good at being the same thing that they even made a fake Miiverse the, inside it. Like, that to me I don't know. is kind of insane that they made a fake Miiverse. Like, it works like yeah. Miiverse. You can like things like Miiverse. People are doing crazy hand drawings where they literally get, like, a GitHub code that, like, scans in pixel by pixel. related. Yeah, it, and yet it's not Miiverse because there is no Miiverse. But they were so, like, attuned to what players liked in the first one that they recreated. Like, so sometimes it, I agree – some of it is same samey, but sometimes I don't know. I keep saying same twice like that, but sometimes um, it it is a benefit, like because I think Miiverse is one of the cooler things that was in Splatoon. It's the only game that used Miiverse well. Well, frankly. I mean, I mean, right now because Splatoon still wasn't really that, it's still not even that old of a game, which yeah. kind of that might be part I of mean, the for me, right? I mean, it was just kind of getting over that hump of like, all right, I just kind of I just want to get to where I was in Splatoon one because the games are so similar. Yeah, like the balances they did to pretty much nerfing all the ultras i'm gonna call them ultras like the mm-hmm. super moves yeah like they're all completely the different. specials is what you're the specials for. yeah they're all completely different they're all essentially they're all generally weaker than how they were in part one in part one they were just really really awesome and really good so they're more like just like a bigger grenade which is but great to counter that the splashdown makes you feel like a total badass no no i mean which is great. like as far as the like, game balance and like competitiveness <laughs> yeah. like it yeah. makes sense why they did that but um it's still basically the exact same game. If this is like your first time going through this game, then this is going to be amazing. If it's your second time and you, then it's kind of just like, like you're still playing the first one. The only thing that kind of sucks, at least like I was kind of a little, like anti, like oh I don't want to get to this again, was just leveling back up to mm. where I was like oh I have mm-hmm. to go through, like go to level ten to unlock rank. Now I have to go to rank to unlock this. Like, yeah, it'd be cool if they could port. Because I was already data. like level thirty in the first one, so I was just like. Have to do this again, locking, unlocking basically the same weapons again. Yeah, and then even some of the stages are the same. Yeah, like two. that's true. That's true. I mean, they tweak them a little bit, you but can I mean, grind on rails now. Yeah. Woo! But 
I think with changing this game more, or at least making it more fun for me now than it was before, was that now that more friends have it. Yes. So I've been playing with friends a lot more frequently. Frequently before that definitely wasn't the case, and I love Salmon Run. Salmon Run is so fun. Yeah. There's just their new you. horde mode. It's like zombie mode. I was gushing about it in our three, E3 episode. I guess you now know why. It's really fun. Well, I mean, I knew it was going to be fun. No, I, I know, I know. I, that, was not, that wasn't to you specifically. Oh. It was just me saying out loud. Like, I loved it then, so I totally... I'm not surprised you love it now. It's so good. It's yeah. the only truly new thing in Splatoon, and it, it, is. it, it is. works very well. I just wish the limitations on it weren't so... They were, they were really annoying <laughs> in the beginning because all I wanted to do was play Salmon Mode. I mean, Salmon Run with my friends, but then I, it didn't happen because of the limitations, so we just played other things. But then as time went on, they kind of limited the limitation. I mean, they set it back a little before it was like a 12-hour lock. Yeah, now it's 24, yeah. which kind of makes it feel like almost it's active whenever you but want. Just, just a loop but people... it's like every other day, so... Pretty much it's not as bad anymore. Just to loop in people who don't know what we're talking about. So Salmon Run... So the way Splatoon is set up... And it's how the original Splatoon was as well. Um, basically, they rotate everything you can do. So you get two maps for two hours and two more maps for the next two hours. You get... For the ranked matches, there are three varieties. You got Rainmaker, you got... Uh, wow, I'm just blanking out everything today. Rainmaker, Tower Controls, Control, and, and Splat Zone. Thank, thank you, yeah. So you have those and you get one every two hours, I think. It's two hours, right? Yeah. So all that kind of comes and goes... And you don't have any control over it, but it's like, oh, I'll just try again later tonight, whatever. Salmon Run took that idea and really ran with it. It's like, okay, you get a 12-hour, then now 24-hour window to do Salmon Run, and then it's just going to go away for a day or two, and it's going to come back. Basically, everything in the game is like the tide coming in and going, which is fitting. Because it's funny it's because like, you're supposed to be going to work, so it is almost like you're going in for your shift. Yeah, yeah. The whole Salmon Run's pitched as like you're working for Grezzo and uh, helping hoard salmon eggs. It's, it's really fun. But um, yeah, I think honestly, these artificial limitations, like be it, you know, we'll get to the app, but the artificial limitations with just like what you can do when is a weird, it's weird. <laughs> yeah. Like it's it's you should be able I to play your game like, whenever you want. It's kind of like Animal Crossing because I remember you could only do so much each day before you're like, all right, I already talked to this, I already upgraded that, and you can only do these things once a day. So once you do them, that's it. It's like, all right, I guess I'll play tomorrow. Yeah, that, that's what's kind of it interesting did keep, about. It. I mean, that is what kept Animal Crossing like that's what kept me coming back for so long because I didn't have a chance to just binge on it like other multiplayer games. Yeah, no, I think I think you make a very good point because like Nintendo's had this whole pitch. I think Nintendo's are like, come on, just hear me out, just try it out for a few weeks. Well, it's it's almost like it's a way to keep the player base playing longer, especially in a game like Splatoon. Because you're saying you know it drags you out, but like in a game like Splatoon, you need to ensure there are always people online to play, and the kind of the best way to ensure it, it's almost like you kind of have to do something like this. Like you have to trip. I mean, let's go back to the. Arm. And to be fair, they are letting you play whenever you want locally. Yeah. But but just like compare this to the arms longevity conversation we were having at the top of the show. I right? do wish you could play whenever you want with your friends online. Yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd be okay if it was like just limiting when you play with random people. But but even but even then, like the, it it's the same issue of they got drip. I, well, not issue, but I, I get where they're coming from. Yeah, because yeah, like yeah. what I was trying to say is like look at what we said were about arms at the beginning. Like part of that game's potential issue is people will just stop playing because they experienced it all. There's not a whole lot to it. Splatoon. By drip feeding new content, by limiting stages, by limiting rank battles to like a limited selection every two hours, it just 
literally prolonged how much you can play. You won't get sick of things as fast yeah. because you don't have things to get sick of. They had to do of. that because they had so little content in the yeah. beginning. And even this one, but they're arm... rolling it out more frequently, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. but it's still small and getting bigger. And ARMS kind of didn't do that. It had a little bit of content, and they let you do what you wanted with it. So everyone experienced everything super fast, and... It almost would have been interesting if they were like, all right, you can only use four characters at once. Oh, because it's yeah. only That would be the best analogy to Splatoon, though. Yeah, because, yeah. I mean, there's only, like, there were only nine or eight characters in the beginning. Yeah. Which is pretty tiny for fighting game rosters. Yeah. I mean, it would definitely make me go, like, all right, I'll try this guy later. I'll, I don't know. It's kind of weird, but... To be honest, there is a side bet. I mean, it really sucks. I mean, that would have infuriated a lot of people, but it would have kept me playing longer. I mean, yeah, I mean, it, just by necessity, you yeah. have to, to experience it. But, like, there is a side benefit of this whole system. I mean, besides the dragging out how long you're interested in it, like, having only a couple, a couple stages at a time, it really lets you learn the lay of the land more, you know? Like, you actually develop new strategies per stage. You have Now that you have different weapon loadouts and whatnot, or it's easier to manage. That is a nice improvement they made. That's a lot Yeah, that's better. also why I like about Theron, that they kind of force you to use weapons... Yeah, against your will, and you're like, all right, I guess I'm learning how and, to use. Yeah, and this even like now. single player, the fact that they let you choose different weapons to kind of like it's kind of like a way to go train or yeah, and hone some, your skills. I mean, there's a lot of levels where they force you to use it's like a, a Sheldon, Sheldon recommendation. And yeah, it's like, oh, yeah. All right, but, but the point I'm gonna make is like because you only have a couple stages per hour and you use different weapons, in theory, it's it almost extends the replayability of the game because you get to play differently depending on the maps you have access to. And the nice thing is you know what maps you're going to have access to, not just at that moment, but coming up next through the Splatnet app. Like, you will know, okay, coming up later is, like, the the schoolyard or whatever. I think there's a schoolyard. I forgot what it's called. The Art Academy. There we go. There's the Art Academy stage coming up. Um, I know on that stage I'm really good with the Splat Roller, so I will go play an hour with Splat Roller. Or, oh, I don't want to use the Splat Roller today. I want to do Splat Duelies. Let me see what other maps there are. Okay. Like, you can really sort of navigate the game differently that way the downside of all this is because they're doing these limitations at least in my mind it now is conflicting with other limitations of the game you brought up league play and i have to rank back up right like you have to get b minus you're ranked per battle type now so rainmaker versus splat zone versus tower they're all individual so if you run out of time and you're like at c plus and you're like all right one more game and they're like oh mode the map change not even just that let's say you're a uh, an average american who has a typical you know long work day you come home you get you have dinner you have an hour to spare maybe and you really want to rank up in uh splat zones you have a one in three chance that that's what you get to do that night and if you don't want if you don't get your splat zones either you got to suck it up and do something you don't really want to play as much or you just don't play that night like yeah. there, there's this whole strategy nintendo seems to be doing where i i can't remember was it kotaku who had the analogy that's almost like a tv show like you yeah, tune in at a certain time yeah it's it an interesting article yeah but they had an analogy where it's basically like, yeah, you're like tuning in to watch TV. It's on a schedule. It's no different than going to watch a movie or a TV show or whatever. And that's a valid point. But it only goes so far in that you can DVR a TV show. You can watch that's a movie true. on a DVD. You have other workarounds. But illegal the thing with streaming illegal <laughs> streaming. But the problem with this situation I guess is, the equivalent of illegal stream would be you have to create a lounge so that you could play whatever mode yeah, you want exactly you need your own private server that's but, mimicking Nintendo no no no, no. just in, in game oh yeah yeah but to maximize that you have to have seven other friends that you could play with that way you could pick literally whatever mode you want yeah and whatever rule and, set and that's kind of what I'm which is great at, but you can't always do that that's kind of what I'm getting at is like the, the limitations Nintendo put on top of the limitations they already had just it, it's a balancing act it's one that Nintendo did not 100% get right 
And because of that, you are actually limited in what you can do when you want to do it. Because, like, the TV analogy that Kotaku ran with makes total sense to me. Like, Nintendo has been saying in the past for a while now that they are constantly competing for people's time against all other forms of entertainment. So if they can get you to play a scheduled salmon run, for example, over watching TV when it airs, that's a win for them on some level. So they want to do this because they want you to go play at a certain time and they want you to play frequently, but they only can push it so far before it becomes inhibiting opposed to helpful or, you know, bad opposed to good. Like, I mean, they're furthering this idea of they want you to really play frequently and often, like, you know, the content rollouts. Splatoon 1, there are big groups of new weapons, right? There are big groups. There's like, hey, two new stages, five new weapons, go have fun. This time it's like one new weapon, a stage that only appears in Splatfest. I mean, like, we had the, the shifty station at Crazy Twilight Zone looking stage during Splatfest, and then it's gone again. Like, it's actually, I think it's really cool because it, like, you're getting, and even the Splatfest themselves, actually, because you're getting these constant reasons to go play Splatoon, and that's a plus that kind of fits their argument of we need to compete against all entertainment. Because it's like, hey, if you want to try the stage, do it now while you can. But if you if you miss the stage, it's okay. It will be back. If you miss your ranking opportunity for uh, Rainmaker, you're kind of screwed until the next time you happen to be free when Rainmaker is available. Like, it's not like it actually affects how you progress in the game. It's not just like a cool stage that looks like the Twilight Zone, you know? Yeah. So that that's kind of a weird back and forth that they have to kind of figure out. And yeah, it's it's honestly between like the constant updates, like how they're doing the slow the quick updates of one little thing here, one little thing there, the rotations of the maps, the constant splat fest, like this whole thing, it kind of feels like remember Wii Connect twenty four on the Wii? Yeah. Nintendo had this idea that you're gonna use your Wii for a message board, you're gonna use your for with family, you're gonna use it to check the news, the weather, you're gonna play games, because they had this idea that the way you get people to give them your time over other forms of entertainment is by using it daily. And I think everything up until the limitations of gameplay modes, Salmon Run and the three rank battles, um, I think everything up to that point kind of is basically Week Connect 24 but in-game. You have a reason to go check almost daily. The maps change. The weapons become new. The clothing can, changes. The clothing changes. The fact that Splatnet 2 literally has rotating clothes in the app that you can buy and put on your character when you next play is like really cool. I've already bought myself the, the like uh, fake Z- Yeezys. There's no way in a million years I'd ever really wear Yeezys that I cannot pull that off, but my inkling sure can. But like like all that stuff, like that's really cool, and that's the sort of way you get people to check back daily. Locking down entire gameplay features, not so much. At least in my opinion. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And if you couple that with the whole like weird situation with uh, voice chat, it's just like, I don't know what Nintendo's thinking. Yeah, voice chat is just so weird. Like, just the other day, um, like I was just trying to see, because I made it all the way... I, I was able to unlock League Battles, and my other friends that I'm playing regularly with, they haven't quite yet. They're almost there. Right. But I was curious to see, because I was able to send them invites, like, oh, maybe they could just bypass it. And of course they can't. But... <laughs> But the yeah, you tried that, it with me, and it. But yeah. the but the thing that is just kind of just annoying. I guess this is more with the, I guess with Splatoon's in-game interface and a combination of the voice chat app. Yeah, the switch. Because on if you go to League Battle, because League Battle has its own like little section, you're like, all right, you're going in there with a team of four. That's what that mode is specifically for. You'd think like you could just invite people from there. But no, you have to unlock it and then know to go to lounge mode all the way in the bottom. And then when you go to lounge mode, it says, what type of game do you want to play? Do you want to play a private, a league pair, or, or a league team? Mm-hmm. And then that's when you can actually activate it. 
So and to, to be clear, the unlock thing he's referring to for those who aren't super close with Splatoon is uh, the B minus ranking minimum. Yeah, you have to have a B minus in ranked match, yeah. which you can. And all... then you unlock league, and, and then you yeah, can and you can only these. unlock rank after reaching rank ten. And which is another regular. weird thing. Why would you lock down behind pr- a progress tracking the ability to play on a team with friends guaranteed? The only other way you can play with people is if I'm playing online and you go on I mean, Splatoon. Unlock... You can see I'm online, and you can join me in the random rotation. So you get paired with me in the random rotation. Doesn't mean we're on the same team, but we're at least in the same lobby. Can't voice chat in there. Even though we're both online, even though the app knows we're both online, even though the game knows we're both online, it's like, no, nah, you're not in the right mode, so sorry, you're going to have to play silently. Yeah, it, it's, 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 it's really There's dumb. all these weird limitations. Again, it's yeah, like Nintendo I, had a weird balancing act, and they just didn't land it. And I get putting rank behind a, a level wall just because, like, all right, you need people to practice the game for before they could go to rank matches. Of course, but, yeah, no, but, that makes sense. But, but everything rank-related should be unlocked when you unlock rank mode. Because at that point, you should be able to just... Or let, let people have a free play league mode. I know. If anything... Like, why, it, it make, <laughs> why it, is it, that It makes less option? sense to put league battles behind, I guess, solo rank. Because this way, it's like, oh, you're going to... I'd rather mess up and learn how to play the game with friends than yep. just screw my own team over. Yep. Because I'm still learning, like, the rules that's for ranked. But yeah. And again, like, the voice chat limitations are so weird to me because... I know. I, I shouldn't... If they're making me hold an app, I should. The app should at least tell me like, "Oh, this person just got online. Cool, I could." Yeah, there's no, there's no online list. There's no ability to start voice chat in the app, even though the game knows you're online with someone else and you are connected to them through the server and you're playing on the same team in like a random match, which happened with our friend Eric a few times uh, the other day when I was playing. Like even in that case. Nope, can't voice chat with him. There's no indication in the game that we even coexist, except I see his username. Yeah, the app should really just be top path like. Facebook Messenger, just literally whoever's online, you can just chat to. The game doesn't care what game you're on, or even if you're just on the home screen. Yeah, like you should just be able to chat with whoever, and then the bottom can just be what they're doing with Splatnet too, because that's actually pretty cool. The Splatnet stuff, I love the amount of stats you can dig deep into. You can go into any of your last fifty oh, yeah. battles, yeah, all press of it, great. and it'll show you every person's weapon loadout. It'll show you every person's uh, score, kill count. It's actually incredibly impressive. Yeah, it every- is. By Every, far, everything else is one of my favorite things about huge Splatoon. stumble. It's like they they have so the app, yeah. much time to observe what well, every other console is doing, and yet here's the thing: we talked about it last episode. Yeah. Uh, we made the comparison that you know, in 2006, they did this right with Metric Prime Hunters on the DS. Yeah, yeah. How could they do it wrong now? But I almost feel like a it's a beta app, so there's time for them to adjust. This isn't pay till next year. They'll learn from their mistakes. Maybe yeah, it could still change. And sure. B, I don't there's like. No I way they think, haven't heard the backlash. Yeah. And I think people are coming up with workarounds. Cause, so that same sensor tower analytics firm, the one that had the Pokemon Go stats, they recently shared that according to their own data, 17% of Switch owners have currently downloaded the Switch Online app. So, something so it's change. not <laughs> like – but my point is it's not like um, everyone is using this thing and just like fumbling around. Like People are finding because workarounds. Because most people don't even want to bother. People don't want to bother. People uh, will find workarounds. Because they have so, Discord and Skype I know, and but my everything. point is so as a free thing – for now, I don't want to say Nintendo can get away with it because that's a little extreme, but it's not like life or death. If this was a paid thing, I think people would be angry. Right now, it's just kind of slight frustration, disappointment, and mostly confusion, at least for me. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it's this is their chance to fix what's wrong, you know, right the wrongs. They're getting feedback. I doubt someone from Nintendo is listening to this, but, you know, they're they're listening to people like us. They're going to NeoGAF. They're going to Reddit. They're going on Twitter. They know. They're very social media savvy. They're uh, the Treehouse team. So they are for sure hearing this, and that hopefully means that 
you know, they'll fix it down the line. And the thing about Splatoon, or the thing about Switch in general, is these games, you know, Nintendo's pumping out updates all the time. They're doing a balance update for ARMS this week, as we mentioned. Splatoon's getting weapons every day or two, or every week or two, you know, every few days. It's not that hard for them to revamp online in the future. So really, everything we complained about, all the, like, limitations, all the structural stuff, they can fix it. They can listen to player feedback. They can adjust things in real time. It's not so inhibiting that I would not recommend the game. Because whether you played Splatoon before or whether you're new to Splatoon, the core Splatoon mechanics, Turf War, the shooting, the Nintendofication of of third-person shooters, it is incredibly fun. Like, if you've never played Splatoon, this is A-tier one of the best games in years, hands down. It's just bogged down by weird, and almost call it red tape or like bureaucratic stuff. Because like the gameplay itself is solid. It's really fun. Some people are complaining that Splatoon 2 has a weird thing where it runs um, as a 30% slower update rate than Splatoon 1, meaning it pings the server 30% less fast, meaning that uh, there are apparently more double kills and more issues where like you may get killed and not know why because you're getting refreshed less frequently because of the fewer server pings. Even that can be a software fix. Like at its core, the game is good. It's just everything on top of it is kind of a weird wash at the moment. So, I we were being very negative about it, but quite frankly, it's an incredibly fun game. Yeah. The graphics are such a noticeable step up. I never thought I'd say this. The graphics are such a noticeable step up from Splatoon One. The ink textures are incredibly detailed. The lighting looks really yeah, good. Single player, there's glitter in them. Sin- yeah, single player, like the ink has like it. It's very textured. Yeah. It's really a Not good mention, game. Like, every... It's just this dumb decisions put on top yeah. of it. The quality of the animations, everything. Like I was watching the personality um, of it. Like I was watching like the like the daily news. Like when like the the pop idols tell you like what stages are available oh, yeah. on the Wii yeah. on the Wii U and then the Switch. And it's a like night and day. Like one just looks so lifeless, al- almost yeah, like lifeless and stale. Yeah. And you're like, wow. And I used to thought like this looked really good. Even the the Splatfest performances, like. I used to think they looked really cool, but now compared to the new one, it's like, wow, they've so, really come a long way. Like, t- even, like, even Kelly Marie, like, their designs, I mean, they're pretty much, they're similar, yet different. Like, I mean, there isn't as much contrast as, like, Pearl and Marina, which they're, like... That's because complete- they're different races entirely. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. that's why, like, it's... Marina's great. She's no, such no, a good no, character No, that's why it's crazy. Like, it just, like, it just adds, like, much more yeah. appeal in general, just, like, just that contrast. But, but yeah, like, um... It, it's it's funny because Nintendo's doing throwback Thursday uh, tweets and Instagrams of Splatoon 1 going into Splatoon 2 like in the past month. And I kept looking at it like, this looks bad. Like, when did this start looking bad? It's not even old and it looks bad. I don't understand. But yeah, Splatoon 2 just looks great. It plays great. When you're in a match, it's incredibly fun. Minus maybe that uh, refresh rate issue that some people are noticing. But like, it's just, yeah. It's just some of the uh, the decisions in limited, in limits the, the the limitation decisions are a bit strange. Yeah. Everything for Splatoon 1 still works, and I get all the new stuff that they have for Splatoon 2 in terms of additional limitations is a bit weird. But quite frankly, single player gave an awesome... Like, it's a really fun experience. Kind of Mario Galaxy-esque in terms of how you rock it around. It's just not on spheres. Yeah, like, isolated. I mean, it's still great. Yeah, really the di- Turf Wars are super fun. I mean, really disappointing final boss, but, I mean, it is what it is. Well, that, yeah. Yeah. But, but I mean, the, like, and, and that is strictly compared to the first one because the first one was pretty much like a level in of itself and this right. is just a boss like, a, like an arena right but, but but yeah overall I I, I just I know I keep saying also it, just like, love how like Salmon Run for only having two maps and pretty much you're doing the same thing over and over and over again 
like they have like these like fun events that like oh sometimes like there's a flood and that changes everything sometimes there's a fog sometimes like you get a rush of salmon sometimes you have to use turrets sometimes you have to like fight off these grillers which are like, yeah. really scary and like can kill you instantly which again goes to just what I'm saying that like gameplay wise this thing is excellent I'd say overall now you just have to play it it's the structure it's the framework the game is in that's a little weird yeah How? what's the highest percentage you've gone in a salmon run because it gets hard fast I don't know. I think we've done, like, with the group, like, 30 or 40. Really? I haven't gone past, like, 25. Oh. <laughs> but but then again, I'm also doing it with randoms, so that might be why. Oh. At E3, I didn't go past 12, 15, I think. I think we didn't even top 10, to be honest. Oh. Yeah. And that was with three people. Yeah. Well, good for you guys. But, yeah, so Splatoon 2, um, get ready for some weirdness, but overall, worth it. Easily a must-have if you're a Switch owner, I'd say. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. We're just nitpicking because we can. Because quite frankly, if we had nothing to say like this, you wouldn't be listening to us. Probably. It literally would have been. This game hey, is a fun great, game, right? Yeah, graphics look good. Sure do. Yeah, More dude, have you seen that ink? It looks really good. Yeah, it sure does. Yeah, it's like it's definitely not <laughs> fresh, but it's not stale yet. It's yeah, just there. <laughs> it's funny because you know how their slogans like "stay fresh," like the all the characters like "stay fresh" or the Squid Sisters. That's basically what Nintendo. They yeah. took that to heart. Like, like they're they, like, they, we're not gonna make it fresh. We'll stay at the freshness. Like they we were literally, at. like, yeah, like it's fine right now, but. They're really gonna have to like make some changes in the next one. Yeah. I don't, like, well, I at least we're at not least, getting a next one for a very long. No, time. I, exactly. They have to wait a long time, and first player is gonna need a complete overhaul. They can't do the same Mario Galaxy thing anymore. It was still fun to get through it, but it was definitely too, too familiar. Yeah, it was way too familiar. Even like the new elements, like the bounties and the no, like giant cleaning robots right like right. Like it still wasn't really enough. But to they make do have me... those big bowling ball enemies. Those are kind of mm, different. I mean. They were there. I mean, literally, they kill them, and then different. it's just like, oh, it's um, yeah. I don't know. It, it, I I just like that they were more open to crazy designs. The game's so comfortable in its own skin. Like the personality of the game shines through. Like, it, the fact that all the squids have little like squid cell phones now, and like the clothing's a little more like they really doubled down on some of the, like streetwear look. Like, granted, it is more of the same, but it's well, just, that's like, like it's it's nice. That, it, it's passable right now. Like right now, it's yeah. like the time that I can get away with it but it, next time I like I might skip it if it's like if it looks similar sure yeah yeah. I sus- I seriously suspect it's especially good. because it's only been a few years since the first one came out I that definitely didn't help it either seriously but. seriously suspect that uh, Splatoon is gonna be a Mario Kart or Smash Bros situation where it's one per generation and I think they just got on Switch early because it's an evergreen game that will sell very very well yeah much mm-hmm. like Mario Kart and less so like yeah, So we may not even get a Splatoon 3 on the Switch. Maybe I, on the, the I Switch would, 2. I would bet you actual money that that's what's going to be the, that's going to be the case. Huh? But if you want something new and different, there's Death Squared. Well, how's that for an abrupt pivot? But like, because that, I don't know much about Death Squared, but from what I've seen, that looks different from pretty much anything on Switch. Pretty much from anything I've played. It's pretty cool. So how is it? Yeah, because I'm really curious about it. It's, it's, most, it's all co-op, right? Yeah, it's strictly co-op. You cannot play it by yourself, and you cannot play it with three people. It's either two people or four people, because sucks if you only have two friends. Well, then one of them will have to take turns. I guess you're you're adults. You can work it out. We're adults. People that are playing could be kids. Don't assume. Most kids are pretty mature for their age. I'd say like ten year olds are very very mature. They could easily take turns. All right. Anyway, I'm an only child. I don't know how turns work. Anyway, yeah, go. <laughs> Um, yeah, like kind of like what I was saying earlier that I'm kind of needed a break from RNG related games, randomly generated stuff. Mm-hmm. And this game is as like thought out as you can get because it's a puzzle game. Like you can't really have free form like randomly generated puzzles, like because there might not be a solution. Therefore, 
otherwise. But um, yep. so this game in two player, well, essentially you control little robots. They're little squares. You could customize them at a certain level. But they have adorable hats. Yeah. Oh yeah, they do for DLC mm-hmm. eventually. Mm-hmm. But you could think of it like Portal because it has a very Portal vibe to it because you're going through test chambers that they call them. Every puzzle is a different test chamber, mm-hmm. and there's like I think eighty and like the two-player mode and there's like 40 in the four-player mode and depending on the on the test or on the puzzle either your movement controls part of the environment or buttons affect the environment so on the levels of buttons if you press a button something will happen and there are buttons that correspond to both players so if you're a red square you press on the red button something happens if you're the red player and you press the blue button nothing happens so the goal is just to get the goal of every single level is to reach the round button, the round button that corresponds to your color. And there are some levels where if you move forward, if you move like let's say up and down, um, panels and like spikes come out of the ground to correspond to your movement. And if you move left and right, something else happens, or sometimes it doesn't. But for the most part, I would say like ninety percent of the time, if you don't coordinate with your with your teammate how you're gonna move, they will die. So if you move before they do, they'll just explode because a spike will appear under them. Right. So you have to tell them, all right, you're going to have to move first to a safe zone so that then I can move. But then if they start moving, it might kill you. So you have to figure out exactly where they have to move. There's a lot of communication involved. It's pretty much all communication. So depending on what level you're doing, either they're going to have to block lasers for you because it's the corresponding color. Right. But then if they do that, it might trigger something else they have to watch out for. It's really, really fun just because there's a lot of planning involved. The only thing that at one point got kind of annoying or, or felt overly hammy mm-hmm. was that there's a, because it is kind of portal-esque because there are different test chambers, there's like an employee that works for this company that is testing these robots. And Her name he, Gladys by any chance? And he, and he chimes in he. like every other level or every, almost every, every time you die, he has like a quip or something like, oh, you should have been more careful or blah, blah, blah. And, um, and that's useful advice from a game. Try a bit more careful. And he's talking to this AI the whole time. That's like, I guess, the Glados of this game. That sounds kind of like a different like series cousin. And they're just like talking about the robots as you're playing the game. And in between, they have something to say. And every once in a while, they have like full little dialogues. Uh-huh. And the game could have done away with that, and it might have, and it might be a little better. But I still really really enjoyed the game like they're not that bad either they don't make the game worse i just feel like they're i don't know they just don't add to it either yeah they just don't add to it either yeah pretty much well now i get why it has to be two or four players because it's all about working in pairs yeah and makes sense and because the puzzles can get really complex later um it probably would have taken too much brain power to make Levels just for one person, and well, I guess no, 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 it totally makes sense. Oh, no, it's all three... about what you do with your no, no, partner. Yeah, I so mean, to like speak. in theory, they could have made maybe made levels for three people, but like on top of the eighty for two and forty for four, they have other levels that you unlock after you beat those that are even harder. Like pretty much like the the hardcore of the hardcore gauntlet, and what just makes this puzzle game amazing is that there's already a lot of communication involved between two people, and it was really really fun. But when you have four people involved and you have to coordinate four people, that's when it just gets ridiculously crazy because, right. like, the game is just so, um, the controls are so, so sensitive. Like, sensitive in a good way where, like, you could, like, flick the stick forward to, like, intercross something. Uh-huh. But if you even move, like, 
an inch forward, that will cause like a platform to maybe swing across the stage and kill someone. So everyone has to be on the same page. It's just, I don't know, it's like a like a very good trust exercise, like something you would put like yeah, on a... Say, it sounds like a digital trust fall, essentially. Yeah, it's like something you would do for um, like a company. It's like, all right, you guys are going to play this game to build your working team, like your cooperation yeah. skills or something. Huh. But... It sounds cool. Yeah, it's really fun. It does sound really unique. It sounds like a perfect fit. It's really for fun. It's really unique. It works perfect for Switch because you could just split the Joy Cons. All you need is just the analog, right. and that's it. So, yeah. Oh, interesting. Yeah, it just uses the analog. Oh, right, because there's no buttons because all the buttons are just on the, on the level. Yeah, all the buttons on the level. Yeah. 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 And, and every level changes how the environment works. Sometimes your movement affects things sometimes it doesn't so is there a lot of trial and error with that like do you have to do oh, you only yeah. learn i mean my point no, no, is like do you only learn how the environment interacts with you by dying pretty much yeah okay. yeah there's a death counter and when you die the level resets like instantly so it's not like you have to go through a game over screen or something it's just right. like boom 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 you could die and come back as fast as you die it's like so. Breath of the wild in a way where they it's, kind of reward death well, well, not reward death, they reward like, experimentation and letting it happen i, mean, I was gonna say it's more like super meat boy because like oh, yeah, actually, in breath of the wild like you have yeah. your game over screen you have that no you're right and Meepo, like, you die energy. and you come back almost like before you even know it. So you're yeah. like just like replaying your death right. That's what it's called, death score. Like, you are going to die because it's impossible not to. Like, right. some of the deaths, like, a lot of the deaths are basically kind of cheap deaths in the beginning. But they're just teaching you, like, all right, we should kind of fidget the controls a little. Like, fidget the analogs to see if anything's changing. All right, good. Let's move forward. All right, it died. All right. So you're just planning your route. And there are it's, a, a good amount of brain scratchers in there too. But it's like a puzzly 3D co-op Meat Boy, I guess, in a way. Sort of, yeah. I can't. Yeah, there's like there's no. It I, sounds I, there's like there's no like. Yeah, which is great because like they, yeah, the name just intrigued me, and then I saw a few videos, and I'm like, wow, this looks different. Like it, it was just unique. I love puzzle games, and a co-op puzzle game is like perfect. So, yeah, ten recommend stars. it. Yep. ten stars. That's yep. a lot of stars. Well, you get Splatoon. How many stars do you get Splatoon? Seven. All right, that's fair. Average. I, it's just. I mean, it's a fun. I'll keep yeah. playing it, but it's. It didn't. It didn't have the the wow factor that. It's that Death Square like, now has because I haven't played a game like right, it. Right, right. Splatoon one was unique. like whoa. Yeah. Like I'm a kid now and I'm a squid now and whatever. But. By the way, how sad is it that Nintendo just totally dropped the kid squid thing for Splatoon two? I mean, it's there. Their inklings are kids and squids, but they didn't. Uh, they didn't ever make reference to their kids now they're squids. You know what's now. funny? If this was called like if this literally was called like Splatoon DX or something, it'd be like I a feel 9.5 like, out of 10. Yeah, because it's like, oh, it is the same thing. I'm just getting a few more bonus goodies and look I at all the bonus goodies in here and look at all the bad It's, it's funny because yeah, like when we were talking about it, I kept saying like, oh, the gameplay's really incredible, but you kept going like, yeah, but it's the same. Like we definitely had different outlooks on the game. And that's only because like, which is fine. Well, I mean, I definitely obviously entitled to. I mean, it also depends on how much you play. Like if you've never played Splatoon one, this game will be amazing. If you. Yeah kind of barely touched Platoon 1, this game will still feel fresh. Right. Since ah, I play... It'll stay fresh. Ha <laughs> So it makes sense why like, you're still all... Enamored. Yeah. Because I didn't, I didn't wear down the other one. I didn't like play it till the discs fell apart. Yeah. But... Uh... I mean, I didn't play it till the discs fell apart, well, yeah, but I definitely yeah. just experienced everything that yeah. I had to experience and then some, and then it was like, all right, back to Smash. Yeah. But before, before we somehow circle back to Splatoon for like a 20th time this episode. We keep going back to Splatoon. We might as well wrap, unless there's anything else we want to say about Death Squared. No. Alright, cool. So in that case, um, we will be back for our next episode on August 20th. Uh, we're on our usual schedule again. Huzzah. For two episodes in a row now after all our weird little delays. And that episode's going to be a pretty interesting one. We're going to... Um, 
yeah, because we'll have whatever news, but also I think we're going to, I think it'd be fun to kind of talk about some of the eShop games that haven't had a chance to shine. Like, I wanted to try out Kirby, uh, Blowout Blast or whatever it's called, you know, the isometric Kirby game. I know you've been playing Overcooked, so probably have, I, I Another imagine, almost puzzly Yeah, so I game, imagine we're going to next Which is episode, unlike other games I've played. Well, it's kind of similar to Diner Dash, but... It's, it's Diner like, Dash Co-op. It's just simplified. It's Co-op Diner Dash, yeah. It's simplified, and then they still find ways to complicate it, which is yeah. amazing. Which, which will... So yeah, we'll talk about that. We'll talk about all sorts of stuff next episode. Should be a good one on August 20th to make sure you don't miss it, people out in the world. You can follow us on Twitter at Ram Nintendo. You can subscribe to us on whatever podcasting app you choose or use, you know, uh, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play Music, etc., etc. If you use one that has reviews, we'd appreciate it if you like the show to go leave us some stars, preferably a higher number versus a lower number, but we, we will leave that up to you, the exact number. But, uh, yeah, uh, <laughs> besides that, you can also follow us individually on Twitter. I'm JSR7. Angel is Wero, W-E-I-R-O underscore O. We have been, we had a very heated debate about mayonnaise and ketchup. Who knows what other things you're in store if you follow us. Probably nothing, but you never know. So, yeah, that pretty much does it. Like I said, we'll be back August 20th. And, um... Yeah. Yeah, go Team Mayo!